Welcome to the Red Leaf Retrocast Gamecast with Drew and JD. It is Drew and Drew yeah, and JD. It's October. No, no, I'm it's sorry. November. November. It is November. It is November. Therefore, we are talking about October games. And yeah, and ice was falling from the sky yesterday. Still no snow. Really? Salty, I mean, not where I'm living now. Uh, I, I have officially, <laughs> I have officially left a country. <laughs> it wasn't even hail. It was ice falling from the sky. Just little balls of just straight up ice. And I was very sad. I well, coming from Alaska, Alaska, it shouldn't man. be anything surprising to you. <laughs> I miss Alaska so much. Yeah, well, I also miss a place where I used to live. I moved out of Toronto and into Rhode Island, officially. Okay. I am in my empty going? apartment, <laughs> talking lower than usual because, well, there's nothing in my apartment, so the echo, the possibility of echo is very high. <laughs> so that means all the energy has to come from me today. Uh, kinda. I'm going to be more or less kind of serious yeah. and maybe... Gotcha. Maybe a sensible kind of radio style going for this this episode. Gotcha, JD. JD's got the he's got the uh, style. I have usual. the voice that he's needs to voice. be in your ears tonight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have a question: if if somebody is forced to listen to the, our podcast, like forced at gunpoint, are mm-hmm. we committing like audible rape? No, because the sexual chocolate that I'm throwing into your your uh your earballs yeah is going to be so enjoyable you will need to listen to more so it's <laughs> by default that it's consensual it's that good that you just have to consent to it that's right gotcha. all right <laughs> sounds about right uh on this amazing cast that we have forward october was absolutely crazy i spent a pretty lit month a ridiculous amount of money uh not just on games and not just on the move but just in life in general. <laughs> I spent a lot of money too, accidentally, and I shouldn't have. <laughs> oh, it, it, it broke me. It, it absolutely broke me. Um, but I'm sorry, bro. It is that is okay. I, I am I am doing all right. Uh, bowling's been doing. I've been doing very well in bowling lately. I'm consistently averaging over 220 these days. Playing go. a lot of video games. Solid. <laughs> watching, watching a lot of anime. <laughs> I have not been watching much anime in a oh, while, actually. Fucking get on that shit, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just haven't been intrigued by anime lately. Oh. Well, Ancient Megas Bride is definitely uh, definitely good, but we're not here to talk about anime. We are here right. to talk about what we've been playing lately. Do you want to go ahead and start us out? or? Uh, yeah. So besides, right, uh, besides any games that came out in October, uh, I've been still going through Horizon Zero Dawn, getting ready for the DLC coming out. Trying to beat the game on man mode, <laughs> as you might call it. And good god, it's just so difficult with... Anytime you see one of those robot creatures coming at you, you're like, I gotta get out of here. Because you're gonna die in a single hit. <laughs> it's real life, Janie. If you get attacked by a robot dinosaur, you have to be good or you will be dead. You just never... No, you just never do enough damage. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're kind of forced to either level up on you know twice as much as what say a mission is going for so i go into missions that say recommend you to be level 20 i'm going in at like level 23 and then i I, you know after dying multiple 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 many times i'm like well what 
how do people beat this? And then I look up a, a YouTube video or even IGN when they're just like, we beat it in a hard mode. And I see they go into the same mission, the level 20 mission, and they're at level 44 for their character. I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I don't got that kind of time. <laughs> they did it. So. <laughs> yeah, but th- come right. on. That's not really, that's really defeating the purpose of playing on a hard mode if no, that's, you're, well, twice, that's just the if strategy, you're twice as leveled you know? as it. <laughs> that's just the strategy that they're using. Uh, well, anyways, um, uh, yeah, uh, during the move, I was spending a bunch of uh, finishing off my Best Buy gift cards in Canada. So I got I got a few a few other games. I got Rayman Legends for the Switch. There you go. That's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Rayman Origins, and uh, Rayman Legends is definitely a lot easier than, than Origins, but it's also definitely a lot better. <laughs> right. Yeah, they change they change a lot of uh, level designs up. Um, added a bunch of new characters. Uh, there there's really cool uh, music levels because Rayman's always been about music, but this time around uh, there's a dedicated level where they're playing a song using a lot of the Rayman sound effects. Right. So as you're jumping, that's a that's a note, and everything's timed very perfectly to go in time it, they're they're it's one of the coolest levels i've played in a platforming game in a long time uh then i also got cave story plus which i haven't been able to dabble I've into heard of yet. that i've definitely heard of that game yeah i played a little bit of it on steam uh, i got really good reviews i've heard nothing but good things and i figured i wanted another switch game and i have money to spend <laughs> free money matter of fact and uh Man, that game was just so impossible to find. I went with my buddy in Toronto, uh, kind of retro game shopping, and this one retro store just happened to have it. I mean, I went into Best Buys and uh, EB Games, and none of them had it, but for some reason this one retro store in the middle of, outside of Toronto, just happened to have it. <laughs> nice. And then dabbling in more Everybody's Golf. There you go. That's How about it. about yourself, man? I well, I mean, I played most of the games that we had here on uh, the cast, and then uh, it's November, so I've been playing Call of Duty the last couple of days. Well, speaking and, of Call uh, of Duty, you were playing against of one of our listeners. Yeah, no, semi in one v one. We played some pubs, and <laughs> yeah, no, because so in the spawn area, you basically you're in the social area. They basically ported over a social area from Destiny. You have this 1v1 pit where you just get a random setup. It's this weird, like, just wooden, small little block wooden thing. And some people are just good at that. <laughs> and after playing, because I was really confused, because I thought Semi was way better than me. And I was really confused. <laughs> and I'm not, not like, saying Semi's a terrible player. Because he's actually, he's, he's pretty decent. But he, he wasn't showing up as hardcore as he was in the ones, as he was in the public matches, so... I feel a little bit better about myself, but some people just know how to do 1v1 pits, and I don't. <laughs> so, we were we were pretty lopsided. It was and definitely he, fun watching yeah. you guys. I, myself, am not a huge Call of Duty fan, but that was definitely a fun do to watch. No, the one, yeah, the 1v1 pit is the most fun. I, it, it's really fun, because it's just, it's so dumb and crazy, and small enough and hectic enough to just be fun. And, you know, I've watched just casual players take down the pros and streams, and it's it's just weird and it's fun, and it makes no sense. The spawns, the luck, it's weird. It's it's very lucky. You got to be really. You, there's a lot of RNG in that one v one pit, but 
Um, yeah, then I've been playing the game, and I have. Uh, it looks like there are some questions about the game, so I'll I'll wait till yeah, yeah. We, we get to we, the questions. We got, to we got quite a few Call of Duty questions in. since this is November yeah. now, uh, but we'll definitely. we'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely break the game down more come the November cast, which we yeah. record in December. Since a lot, I'll gush on it for out. a good like half an hour next. Uh, next next <laughs> yeah month. You, you'll have, be the yeah. one kind of talking about yeah. it. it'll be similar to what happened in destiny but this time yeah. around i'm not i'm not even gonna bother playing it because i i can't I have... be i honestly dude. can dude i honestly cannot be um unbiased towards a college well, what we can do just so you can have some some points i'll let you share play play the first mission of the campaign play like one playthrough in zombies and then you know you don't have to put like 10 hours into the game just like give the campaign one go you know give the uh zombies yeah. one go well, and maybe from, play a multiplayer match maybe you know? maybe. maybe just from my, I get the my initial part. just an impression on what i've been reading uh with it looks like medal of honor it honestly looks yeah. like medal of honor <laughs> well with with how big the uh the game is gonna be i would recommend just give it like one try just to, you know just so you have a you've played it you know mm-hmm and I'll hook you up. If you we can if we can if we, yeah if we can yeah. share play maybe just the first mission then I can just first have mission. a, a and I'd highly yeah, recommend zombies dabble. as well. <laughs> Campaign's cool, but try zombies as well. It's it's it, they did good. Um, but yeah, no. So do you want to just jump straight into the questions? And I can pipe more on. That's really the only game I've been playing besides the podcast one. So well, I, I do I do definitely want to I do definitely want to talk about uh, a little bit more about everybody's golf. Oh, go uh, at it. Let's do so, it. <laughs> I watched a good the day long, before like, I left. The day before I left Canada was <laughs> a buddy of mine came over and we were listening to the World Series game, uh, Astros Dodgers. At this point in time, the Astros have won the World Series, so go Houston, H Town Strong. Uh, but we were, I was so convinced with Kersh, Clayton Kershaw on the mound that the Dodgers were going to win like one nothing just not touched and sure enough first inning it was three nothing and i don't know if you've ever tried listening to baseball on the radio but oh i have my dad's a huge Mariners fan oh my god it's so it's so fun to to do that and i'm a big fan of it it's the game was made during that era when the radio was out and then to hear announcers with all their meticulous detail describing it's just it makes the game better uh, so it's right. almost like going. It's almost like watching an NFL game today on TV as opposed to going to the stadium. It's a game made for TV, so the experience yeah. is TV. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but while we were doing this, we were just we were just kind of mucking around and, and everybody's golfing, kind of just chilling out. Uh, just and we were playing each other. And anytime someone lost a hole, you had to uh, you had to drink a beer. So we were calling it because I had beer to, to drink in my apartment, and I couldn't bring it over the border. So I'm like, Alex, you're coming over. We're going to play drink the beer and play everyone's call. Right. <laughs> so we won drink the beer. The uh, Astros ended up winning that game. The best baseball game I've ever listened to, watched anything. It was that good. I went back and watched the last three innings. Uh, it was... It was it's what sport. It's why I like sports in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ah, oh, good times. But I'm in. I'm in Rhode Island now. Uh, good stuff. 
lot of lot of stories that I'll share on another another podcast. Save some, save some of those later. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got some questions. Are you so ready for this, I, Drew? Yeah, I'm ready. Some of these, there's some that are. There's one that that make. <laughs> one of the questions, I just don't understand why you put it on the list. <laughs> Let's go for it. All right. Well, the first one uh, I haven't added to the agenda. Uh, it's yeah. actually from Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, Consul Kev himself. We should talk shit about him. It's not his podcast. Uh, well, I mean, he wasn't available to be on it because I asked both Kevin and Josh to be on this one just to get oh, a third guy to bounce ideas right. off of. Maybe they have so questions. So then but he, he said they, no, so we could talk shit about him. No, more. they're just unavailable. They're always unavailable. <laughs> they got lives. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, you know. That's <laughs> but Kevin did ask a question right. and he goes, okay. loot boxes are easy, but how do we feel about games focusing uh, online over the single player experiences? I'm, I, th- I think that you, I can, I can understand exactly what your answer is going to be. Mine's going to be the exact opposite because I've mm. definitely grown up with the multiplayer gaming generation and you grew up with the single player gaming generation. Absolutely. I respect single player games and I enjoy them. They are, they are fun and I enjoy, they're, they're some good ones. And I think the studios that make the great ones are still going to make the great ones. And I'm fine with that. I've always been a multiplayer gamer. So, you know, I'm probably going to stick to multiplayer, you know? So, the the uh, the longevity isn't there. The way I look at multiplayer games is it has to be couch, couch co-op, or uh, couch multiplayer. Otherwise, the longevity of the game won't last. That's why we still see Mario Kart to this day, and why we don't see uh, the same... They're, they're, uh, what's a good example? I think it was called Warhawk on the PS3. Mm-hmm. A fantastic multiplayer game. I even got into it. Uh, you were able to have ground troops, cars, uh, tanks, big massive planes, and it was just a chaotic map. But as soon as the server was down, you never heard from the game again. And uh, that's one of my big problems with a game like Overwatch. I don't deny it's a good game. I don't deny that the game is, is, uh, is very tight. All the controls are there. People are obsessed with them. Uh, however, once that server's gone... So's the game. Yeah. And, and that's the weird, only way I... a company can stay in business then is to either just make another one called Overwatch 2, just as an example, or they just never make another one and you never hear from them again. And then who's the uh, the archive is there? I, I guess I guess the way I look at multiplayer games is it's it's so short lived. They're so short lived. That it's a live in the moment kind of thing, and I just don't like them. Plus, the amount of competitive nature that the war, the gaming industry is in now, makes it very hard to get into. You have to sink a ton of hours, and this was my this is yep. one of my main pro- main problems with uh, Destiny that we spoke about on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. It's why I don't do those things, um, and they they just require so much time. When I could just be like, okay. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins came out. I want to sink four hours into that and then maybe play another game because I get tired of that one. Sink my time into another one and have more fun instead of just... Uh, I, I I also look at multiplayer games as a monotonous task. Old, on, multiplayer online. 
Yeah, it depends on if you really clarify. enjoy the game or not. You have to really enjoy the game. Because my thing is, like, I don't like Overwatch. It, it's not a bad game. I'm not denying it's a bad game. I've never really been a hero shooter fan. Mm-hmm. But I would play the shit out of a single player for it. I think it's beautiful. I like the world. I like the character. By hero shooter, you're yeah. kind of lumping in Overwatch in the same as, what, Team Fortress? Team Fortress. Um, you know, as, as a Call of Duty kid, I've always wanted to take the guns that I wanted to take and play off the skill that i have not group to get not grouped together with a bunch of you know like if i'm gonna play overwatch i'm gonna play soldier 76 is it or soldier something mm-hmm. just because i have a gun i have a good dps i'm gonna go slay out you know that's how it's been my type of play style so i can play halo i can play call of duty you know i can play shooters that allow me to play the way i want to and don't force me to play a certain way you know i gotcha so then you say you're you're more online focused. Um, to, yeah, because I generally most of the games I play are online. I, every once in a while, I'll pull out a single player that I'm interested in. You know, like The Last of Us, like Uncharted. Um, what was another one? That's you know indie games. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm playing the Call of Duty campaign, which I'm really really enjoying. You know, I, I just have never Medal of been. Honor 2.0. <laughs> no, it's not, dude. I'm telling you, it's not. It's I'll not. be the judge of that. <laughs> okay. It's, I, I've always been, you know, it's always been, you know, playing with friends or playing online and, and trying to be better, you know, competing. And that was always been, that's always been my thing. So I, single player, I think you're going to see, everybody's saying single player is dead. And I, I don't think single player is dead. I think bad single player is dead. I think all the studios that make the really good single player games still have the money to keep making them. But all the ones that kind of put out the moderate, just like meh, single player games aren't going to have the support or money to make them anymore. I see what I'm you're okay saying. With. I see what you're saying because uh, the controversy between behind the um, what is it, Visceral Studios closing mm-hmm. down, and the uh, yeah. controversy between behind the uh, the horrible Star Wars project, uh, whether it was the game they ran out of money or you know whatever it may be. Well, there's uh, just not support for it anymore. People what, what, buy multiplayer well, games. No, no, no. What's what's happening? What's happening is there's plenty of support for single player games. I mean, you you have Uncharted Four, you have uh, Mario Odyssey, which is a massive success. Zelda, yeah. you know, the 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 uh, the the purchase power is there. There's no doubt about it. What what's what I see happening, and why a lot of these why a lot of these companies are are veering towards loot boxes and everything is. The the single player games are requiring so much money, yeah, to make that that's where the issue is, mm-hmm. and it's and it's what Nintendo's doing separately is they're not sinking so yeah. much money into graphics alone. Then again, they have the support and money to do it though, right? Because the thing well, is that Sony especially and Xbox nowadays, could could do the same thing easily with their first party titles, which is why first party still has a good amount of single players. Because they have the money and are supported by that. You know, the third-party single players are disappearing. The big issue is that I see, like, everywhere, is that studios are considering multiplayer. They're, they're confusing multiplayer with replayability. I think if we add multiplayer, it's replayable. You know, we can add loot boxes. It works like that. No, no, no. Single-player and multiplayer games together, they still have to have a good quality. They have to have good systems. And the game mechanics themselves make replayability. Not multiplayer or not loot boxes. And that's where everything kind of just gets confusing. We have, we're just so many echo chambers and blobs of just random games at this point. And therefore, you know, single player is suffering because of that. 
the the one other just uh, strange little fact that has been brought up online recently is this whole sixty dollar game basis that's mm-hmm. been around for ages. Um, come just living in Canada where games are eighty ninety dollars, a hundred dollars at a time, uh, and yet in the United States games are still sixty bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of an issue too because the games are costing more so why aren't the games are costing more to make so why aren't the games then more expensive uh, I know that that would cause a lot of backlash uh, with gamers and maybe they wouldn't buy as many they'd be more selective it just seems like why the price hasn't gone up uh, just seems very uh, juvenile in the gaming industry itself with how we purchase games. Yeah. Because the thing is, is technology gets better and everything everything just gets more advanced. Things start costing more money. Right. And, and gaming and... is a generally pretty... It, it's not a very expensive hobby if you're just doing it casually. And those games, buying for $60, those are a lot... They're not making their return, which is why you're seeing DLC splits and... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Loot boxes um, the best... so frequently because they're actually the... making the money they need to make the game through those. Yeah, the best example of of uh, everything kind of coming together is is what we saw with Rise of the Tomb Raider. That game cost uh, Square so much money to make, and even though it was a massive success, the game got good reviews, good ratings, everything. People bought the game, but it cost so much that they had to have. I believe it was almost double what actually occurred, and that was just a number that wasn't really in the realm of reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, look at Destiny. Destiny sold millions, did not make a return, because it was the most expensive game. I think Destiny is still the most expensive game ever made. Which but is games are, what was it like five hundred million or something or fifty million? Know. It was something but, way. But that's exactly what we're talking about, and then yeah. people wonder why companies are resorting to this this dirty tactic of of microtransactions and loot boxes. It, it like, you know yeah. for them it makes sense, but also they 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 should they should really take a step back. If it's going to cost so much, don't do it. Just. You know, take some cuts because games have games can be made on a smaller budget. Look at Nintendo. <laughs> Look at all these indie titles that are coming out that are that are massive hits. You make a good game, we will play it and buy it. <laughs> Especially, and then the the thing about the indie guys is that it's cheap. They're making the game for super dirt cheap, so they're making a lot of money. Yeah, and that's why you've seen the indie game get so big is because they're actually making the money to keep making their games. So, anyways, we've hit. We've definitely hit that. That was a really good question that Kevin asked, and I had. I thought yeah. it was very good to hit up first. Um, let's let, moving on here. Uh, basically, these are just people uh, kind of close to us, and we haven't had questions in a while. So these are uh, these are from a few of our listeners or fellow podcasters on Red Leaf Retrocast here. <laughs> so the first one, uh, the second one, is Hickey on the anime podcast on uh, Worldwide Weaves. He goes, uh, now that you have your hands on World War II, what are your thoughts on how it plays? Did you I think play it plays... the campaign? If All yes, right. is it just it's... another COD campaign, or it's something we're else talking... we haven't seen before? So let's answer those first. 
So, okay, so wait, so what are your thoughts on how it plays? Did you play the campaign? If yes, is there a campaign? Uh, do you think it touched? All right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any opinions on this? Uh, okay, well... Uh, you, you go it, first. It looks like it plays exactly like any other Call of Duty game where the controls are tight. Uh, from what I've seen of the campaign, very limited, it looks like a... Uh, since they've quote-unquote gone back to its roots... It looks exactly like what Medal of Honor used to be in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, just kind of upscaled with better graphics. Obviously, Medal of Honor has never looked anything like the gra- with what graphics are capable of these days, or what people can make these days. But it does yeah. look like it's, it's, uh, it's picking at a straw that we've already drank out of before. Uh, so honestly, I don't think... I think we have seen this before. Is, is uh, to answer the question, yeah. So, to start off with the how it plays, Call of Duty is is known for its its gameplay. You know, people really enjoy the gameplay. So yes, they're they're sticking to the Call of Duty feel of the game. I think personally, this the the easiest one to compare it to is Modern Warfare Three. I think it plays a lot like MW Three, and definitely it's it's, it's very um, old school because we're so used to unlimited sprint, the crazy boot jumping and boosting so it definitely took me a while to kind of slow down Mm -hmm. um and i I think it plays well you know call of duty always has played well i I enjoyed the gameplay and that's keeps a lot of people coming back um the campaign i really like i think as far as call of duty goes this is one of the best campaigns i think the opening mission to this campaign was either the first or second best call of duty mission ever and the other two that I would put in the top three would be all Story gilly up from Modern Warfare. Warfare. Yeah, the D-Day mission. Yeah, they, it so is incredible. Medal of Honor has done that, I believe, two or three times. Well, yeah, that's because it's D-Day. That's where it's I'm getting infamous, yeah, yeah. Well, It's an infamous um, battle in U.S. history in World War II. Yeah, but they could have done a different... They could have done something else than just your soldier storming the beach. You could have had, like, a farmer... Uh, and he have some sort of backstory, you know, really grasp us, gra- grasp us, uh, do something unique and different. You can still have the the Battle of Normandy, but why does it always have to be you're storming the beach? Because that is, it's dude that that battle is one of the most legendary battles ever. I understand why they would recreate it because it is that, you know, historically huge. It's D Day, the Normandy beach landings. And Call of Duty is only... I think they did it once at, like, the very end of Call of Duty 2. Well, then even they've done it before. <laughs> That's yeah, well. it was Infinity War. Yeah, like, ten years ago. I, I, I think it's okay That's to do it. not very you long know? ago. <laughs> I think it's okay to do it, especially with gener- this generation. I think, you know, you level up, you have good graphics. I think it's a great way to open the campaign because it establishes entering Europe. Because while the game... The synopsis, basically, think, is, is you're, you're in Europe, you're, you know, you're going to Germany... You're on, uh, it's the, basically one of your guys gets and it ends up getting taken, he's Jew, to an intern camp, and you're basically, you go off of orders to get him out. And you're, you're, the goal is to get your buddy out of the internment camp. You end up going through the London Resistance. It's, that's, that's the story of it. And I think D-Day is a great way to establish the European just war, you know? Because you're getting there, you know, it starts out, you're in the boat, you're with your buddies, they're like, you're getting ready for the launch, and then you launch it, and now you're in Europe. It's a great way to establish your entrance to that theater of war. But do you think it's something we haven't seen before? Oh, we've seen it, but this was definitely the most beautiful, definitely okay. the most intense, and definitely the most graphic. 
well. I think <laughs> it's completely okay because, yeah, because of new gen. I think that was the reason I enjoyed it so much is because this is definitely the most incredible, just immersive experience we've had with D-Day in video games yet. So I, and it's intense. And they definitely yeah. took a lot out of Saving Private Ryan for that because I literally watched I the movie. I was about to say, it definitely sounds exactly like I that. watched the movie like two hours before the game came out. And it's very similar. But I, it's definitely a mission I'm going to remember for a long time because it, the intensity and, and because the dolphin diving and the dirt flying, you know, it's it was, it was definitely... All right, well then that kind of goes into his next question where, it go, yeah. where the follow-up is, do you think they should try the, the futuristic... Uh, stick again or stick with these known but overused conflicts and again i, I have I, yeah. I don't think it should do the futuristic thing again i think that should be a separate game in itself that's what we've seen with titanfall for example so i have an opinion uh, on that as well and i have I, no issue with using yeah. well-known conflicts like i have no issue with d-day itself i have the issue with doing the same thing yeah like why does it have to always be the dude storming the beach why can't it be you know you're someone from the other side be a be a be a nazi soldier but you know you had you you know i'm not saying everyone knows that not all nazi soldiers were pieces of scum (laughs) yeah have some like crazy backstory was where, where it's like he has to be a part of uh you know the Führer's the Führer's Reich. There's a big chunk uh, or of this his game, family though. dies. You know yeah. that kind of shit. It's like he he's he's torn between you know representing his country, his family's death, or you know so, why does it always have to be the same thing? Is what I'm saying. I would like to see like the Pacific Theater. It was kind of touched on in in World at War, but I would like to see more of the Pacific Theater. Like, could you imagine like... a Call of Duty game in during the Vietnam War and you're Oh, I've been asking uh, for playing, Vietnam forever. And fun fact, well, by the playing, way, you're playing a, you're playing uh, two characters, one from each side. Yeah, and they're somehow related. You know, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, like fun that fact, would be an amazing game that even I Call might of, be into. Yeah, Call of Duty Vietnam existed. Sledgehammer Games before the three year life cycle of Call. It was Infinity Ward and Treyarch, and then they added a third studio because Modern Warfare Three. A ton of mm-hmm. the Infinity Ward devs left, and then Sledgehammer had to fill that up. Um, before that. They, there's screenshots you can find online for this, but they Sledgehammer was working on a third-person single-player game called Call of Duty Vietnam. And I was really upset that that got canceled because the studio ended up doing one of their now a main studio. So they do have the you know the textures and they have plenty of the stuff that they started developing the game with. So I could see them doing a Vietnam game, Black Ops. There was a bit in Vietnam. I would really like to see a Call of Duty in Vietnam. Not not saying, oh yeah, Vietnam was awesome, but I think it was one of the coolest theaters of war we ever had. Between the weaponry, the the area, I, I would love to see Call of Duty in Vietnam. But touching on the future stuff, um, I love the future. I'm a huge sci-fi geek, and I really wanted Call of Duty to go to space for the longest time. What I do not want is jetpacks. I want well, it to be boots on the ground, and I'm okay with maybe some <laughs> jumping like zero gravity, like halo jumps. I'm okay with that. I just don't want jetpacks and wall running. I love the future. I think Black Ops 2 is still one of my favorite Call of Duty games. Um, and I, I like. I think it's cool to be able to have these, these future guns. Not laser guns, but, you know, uh-huh. creative creative guns that are unique. I like the colorful environments. I like they're able. the writers are able to then, you know, write in stories to big cities where you can have these urban combat. You know, it's, I think it's cool. I think it allows the, the creators and the developers to have a certain amount of creative freedom. 
that can give us a really cool game. Well, if you take a historical event, especially something as sacred as World War II, you have to be, you know, you have to stick to what happened pretty much and, and what was realistic for that time. And, and like with this game, you know, there's not fun gestures. There's not cool camos, you know, because they're yeah, trying yeah. to keep it realistic. And I get that, but I would, I'd much rather them be doing their own thing, but doing it well. Like I want a realistic down to earth campaign with good characters. I want a boots on the ground, ballistic weapon, you know, multiplayer zombies go crazy. Zombies gets more fun when they just get like high on LSD and create something. So that's fine. Um, and so I, I, but I do think they will go to the future again, and I do think they will do a jetpack Call of Duty again because the last three years, you know, you had a lot of growth. Even though a lot of people it was hated on it, and there was a lot of th- right, they sold really well, and they brought in a huge new community. And there's actually a pretty sizable community of players whose first Call of Duty was a jetpack Call of Duty. So mm-hmm. their whole experience with the game is super fast, super jumpy, and World War II can be really slow and boring for them. So I think we'll see, you know, trade offs. I think Activision might do a system where they have a side studio do a jetpack game. But the big community, the pros, you know, the YouTubers, you're all going to see them just advocate boots on their ground only. So I think that's where I stand with all that. Yeah. So we'll definitely get into more Call of Duty stuff next month, next yeah. month's podcast. So. And I think we have more Call of Duty on this uh, list oh, as well. Yeah, they're, they're all kind of related. Yeah, uh, there is related. one at the bottom there. So um, our next question is from Joe, another Another fellow weeb caster. <laughs> He's obviously. I have dubbed him the master of questions. I was going to say. Are you the ready for this? Master of questions. Okay. No, no, no. I have dubbed him master of <laughs> questions. Dubbed him, then I'm going to dub. Can't... I'm going to dub Hickey the best podcast questioner of all time. Infinite. <laughs> that is his name. Uh, in the wake of the AAA gaming nightmare, I'm not sure what he means by that. Nightmare. Um, okay, that's an interesting. What indie words. or small develop? What do indie or small developers? Oh, okay. Yeah. In the wake of AAA Gaming Nightmare, what indie or small developers need more credit? So, I think they're doing who's, fine. Who's being overshadowed, basically? I don't think the AAA studios are being overshadowed shadowed because the producers, you know, Sony and Microsoft, are, they're, they're doing these huge support for the good indie games. Like, if a good indie game comes out, a really good one, we know about it because everybody boosts it up and supports it. So I really don't think these indie studios are getting super overshadowed unless shadowed unless you're talking about like just Steam games, you know? Like all the indie games that I, I've heard about and I've dug around for and I've found, you know, are supported by the big studios and they get ported to consoles eventually because they're, they're good I'm, games. I'm, I'm more or less in agreement with you, but his question is what developer or indie developer do you think needs more credit because they're not a AAA studio? Um, like to me, something like Way Forward, someone like Way Forward... The people who do the Shantae games, uh, they just made a a, a a mummy game based on the sh- the crappy new movie. Wasn't that Mummy Demastered or something? Yeah, it's actually really good. It's basically Metroid. Have we heard heard of that at all? No, I've heard of it. Most people IGN, are not. Yeah. Well, if you, if you're really into like IGN talks about them, they do indie spotlights. You know, Game Informer does indie spotlights, and any of those games, you know, you see them. If you if you're looking you at see them, but you don't, you don't see I. I I, I see what he's saying here about yeah. they, they don't I, get the yeah, credit get they too. deserve because yeah. it's the game that gets the credit, but everyone forgets about who made it. Yeah, definitely. 
So, like, everyone's talking about Hellblade. It actually just, as an example, Hellblade is actually made by an indie studio, Ninja mm-hmm. Theory. Uh, it Hellblade itself just won Best Action Adventure Award of the Year. I, I yeah. it, it it took a long time in these articles to see anything mentioned about Ninja Theory itself. Well, then in all of this, it's a pretty simple answer, because since it's not extremely overshadowed, it's just kind of pushed to the side. They just need to be highlighting the names a little bit more. You know, there needs to just be more credit. This person, you know, I think Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is is great because it says the indie developer's name in the title. Everybody knows who made that game because his name's in the title. You know, if you're going to make... I'm gonna like If it's an indie game, especially if you're, like, solo writing a script for a game, I think your name should be in the title. You know, I think it should be so-and-so's blank. You know? That, that, would, be, that would be a good start. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think in magazines or reviews, uh, possibly, yeah, getting their name in the title at the beginning when they're talking about the game, like, way forwards Shantae. Um, yeah. Uh, Yacht Club's Shovel Knight. Ninja yep. Theory's Hellblade, uh, possibly coming up with better better titles is another thing because Hellblade's a dumb title. Senua's Sacrifice is a good title. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and do those indie, indie games? Right? What what, are, what is the charm that these indie games are having that AAA games lack? Um. um... <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Here, here, here you go. <laughs> we're playing. We're playing. Uh, I was playing Sonic Mania. You can tell that there's a lot of love put into these games. Into yeah, there's definitely a lot games. more passion from, from a lot people. more passion. Yeah. You can immediately feel it because the, yeah, the bigger playing games something like Sonic model. Mania, it brought it immediately brought a smile to my face. While AAA games really don't generally do that. There are some AAA studios, like a great one that I like to reference is Three Four Three Studios, is the studios that now own Halo. Before they were a, a developer studio. They were the fan club for Halo, like the official fan club. So this dev studio, they 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 work with the community. When did they They're take over? There. When did they take um, over the, the Halo? Franchise? Right after Halo Reach. Even, Which but especially what, Halo Five. One? Yeah, Halo Five <laughs> was the most recent one. And while they did make mistakes, they were at every event, talking with everybody. They were extremely passionate about the game because yes, they are just a ton of Halo fans, and they want to make it the best for everybody. Yeah. So there are some AAA studios that pull that off. But I think when you have one guy making his soul his his passion project, there's going to be by default a little more passion there. So yeah, there's there's a good amount of charm. That. Yeah. So segue into the next question then. Mm-hmm. Why do you think these first person shooter games and third person games are so popular? Because they're intense. They're quick. They fill in a uh, testosterone boost that everybody needs. You get an adrenaline pump. They're fun. You can play them with your friends. Everybody knows who they are. All the cool brands are attached to them. It's, it's pretty, yeah. uh, I think it's a lot more simpler than that. You're, you're, when when these games first started becoming popular and the technology finally started being there, it was because you, the player, were putting yourself as the character in the game. Yeah. It was the most immersive experience possible. And then with a game like Halo coming out, or that came out at the time, People thought they were this generic character called Master Chief, and that's what made it so pop. You were the alien hunter. You were this this marine infinite soldier person. <laughs> yeah, but nowadays, I mean, dudes and generally still like that. You are yeah. the person doing that. Yeah, but like nowadays, especially, you know, in general, dudes like to 
play guns with their buddies, you know, cowboys and Indians on the playground, all that kind of stuff. And once you get a certain age, it's not really okay to do that anymore. So you just play it in a video game. Everybody <laughs> wants you. to do it still. Hey, JD, <laughs> if you want to run around with your handgun shooting people on Broadway, feel free. Nuh-uh. I use a squirt gun. Okay. I use my Super Soaker 50. Yeah. Dudes <laughs> like to shoot stuff because it's cool. Right? Uh, Dudes like explosions. Shooters are a testosterone-boosted just mess of adrenaline and explosions and dudes yelling fuck and, and like... <laughs> that's what they are. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, I think I think that question is pretty straightforward. It's yeah. it's a lot. It has it has everything to do with the immersion. And yeah. um, when you start getting first person shooters on VR to start playing properly, that's going to be the game changer. Just like uh, technology in first person shooter was the game changer. Then, can I ask um, a quick question? Sure. So I got JD to download the VR Call of Duty experience for Infinite Warfare. Did you play it? No, I've been... I moved across right, the I country. Right, I forgot. All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> next podcast. Right. My VR is currently in a box. Well, take it out of the box. My, and supporting my just, little 14-inch TV. Worn it on your head and gotten on the plane. And... No, nah, it doesn't work that way. Okay. Uh, so his next question is... He's got a lot. difficulty accessibility matrix for indie devs and the same for big devs. Okay, is he talking about development? Like how easy No, no, no. So... Difficulty between like easy to man mode. Oh. Um. So I believe, personally, if you're gonna so, make a game, yeah, uh, there should be in uh, a regular game setting, kind of like what Dark Souls does. And then, if you're gonna put a tougher difficulty setting in there. Do something different to actually make it harder. Don't make it so you just lose health quicker with a hit, or you have to pump more bullets into a single enemy. That doesn't, to me, that's not making the game any harder. That's just irritating. Uh, a good example is what you would see in Thief Two. Way back, old PC game. If you put the difficulty on a harder difficulty, then the enemies would do different movements they would do different tracks they would do different attacks attack patterns that's what would make it harder mm -hmm. to me that's a, a that to that is a true difficulty matrix not this easy i want to just the enemies are basically non-existent and enjoy the story or well, something something you have to acknowledge is that you know there's been an upward slope of how easier games get you know since the beginning back in the day games were hard and now they're they're generally easier because now that there's so much around you, you can play pretty much anything. Everybody's trying to grab for your attention. If generally like my generation and lower, not so, I enjoy hard games personally, but mm -hmm. my generation and younger, you know, if you are um, if you're playing a game and you're just not and it's single player or whatever, and you're just not nothing's happening and you're getting dumped on and it sucks, you're gonna want to go play a different game, like like JD with Fortnite. It's not a rewarding game. It's a game where you have to go and do it on your own. He was getting shit on, so he's going to go play something else because he's not having fun. I think a lot of games now, they, they have to work hard to try and keep their players entertained, keep their short attention spans 
Going? Well, online yeah. games are strictly as difficult as the people you play online with. Well, that uh, yes, sometimes that's not that's think, not a difficulty. Matrix. But there are decisions that, like Black Ops Three, for instance, going back to COD, they made decisions in that multiplayer that literally gave players free kills just for playing. There were things like the specialists, like oh, you died a certain amount of times. That's not a matrix. That's not a difficulty matrix. Well, it, I think it's it's it, to an extent it is. It, it's trying to make something easier for players in the multiplayer. That would be an accessibility it. matrix. Well, even well, so then the same for single so, player. So so that's like having a ranking system in fighting games, which ri- so that's an example right there with fighting games. Street Fighter V's uh, ranking system was essentially worthless because I, a person who shit at him was always fighting people with a thousand wins to their belt that are that are silver level as opposed to my my non-existent level that's really right. dumb that's even that's that's essentially just getting rid of the accessibility matrix and it, and you don't want to play online anymore because of that right but even like like you said with call of duty player. with just giving people kills that's not even, accessible even that's crossing not any that accessibility straight to, straight to multiplayer single player though they they do things to try and keep you in, and they make it easier. They they egg you on. They make it super obvious where you need to go. You know they they do all that to try and make you can be constantly entertained and getting things and feel like you're doing something good. You know, that's where games are nowadays. Generally, I and think then that's a lot of indie devs. and that's not making anything accessible. Right, but then there's a lot of indie devs who came from the old school games, and just for nostalgia's sake, make just a hard crushing game just for fun, like Cuphead. Mm-hmm. You know. Is, that's uh yeah that's oh no. i conceded in in playing that game i can't beat it i i can't do it and i don't care about that personally i just i'm not good enough to beat it and that it's simple as simple as that and i don't hold the game against uh, anything against the game for that <laughs> yeah i i think anybody i th- I think that it's not hard for any studio to I, they all know how to make a smart difficult mode in a smart easy mode they just, I just don't think it just, yeah they just don't because first of all, not many they, they don't think many people are going to be going for the super difficult mode, and they just want to make sure everybody feels good. So they don't. That's because really their quote unquote hard yeah. mode isn't actually hard. Yeah. It's just pump more bullets into the enemy. Right, That's and not... they do that just to get get over with it quickly. You know, just to make it easy. So like I've 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 occasionally played a game on easy because because what's the point then? I. I couldn't tell what, you. What's easy. what's the point of playing on a harder difficulty level if it's not actually harder? It's just, it's an annoyance if anything. They don't. Because you're like, okay, if I'm, I can just stay. <laughs> take take Uncharted for example. I beat the first one on the hardest difficulty level, mm-hmm. right? Hardest possible. Then I played the second one, and I had I remembered what happened in the first one. Played on a harder level. All I did was duck cover, duck cover, duck cover over and over and over and over again because all I had to do was pump more bullets into the enemy. So then what? What is that actually changing gameplay-wise? It's just making the experience needlessly longer. That's not any sort of actual difficulty matrix. I go back to Thief 2 one more time to iterate. The, the enemies started doing different things. Uh, they would, they would uh, had, have different attacks. That's, um, that's a proper difficulty matrix. That's what they need to do, and we just don't see that anymore. Right. Yeah. All right, we got we to... Gotta, Rapid fire here. <laughs> okay, where's the line between muscle memory and skill? Skill is that game sense more important than the muscle memory? Uh, what the game have you learned from fighting? Ga- what have you learned from fighting games? Is it transferred to other genres? If so, how? Um, 
Okay, uh, do you want to hit it first? Uh, sure. The line between muscle memory and skill is... Um, the, the best example would be muscle memory would be uh, from, like, action platformers. Memorizing the map and enemy enemy patterns because they'll do the same thing. This is more like a retro kind of yeah. base with Ninja Gaiden is a great example of that. Um, take the single player route. I'll take the multiplayer route. Okay. The uh, the actual skill of that muscle memory is there considering that the the uh, the enemy respawns are the ones that end up screwing you over. So you have to be damn good at that muscle memory. So I do consider it a skill. Yeah. Uh, is game sense more important? Well, that would be something like Dark Souls, where your sense of your surroundings and what enemies are around there, there's no real muscle memory in that. That's a different kind of skill altogether. Uh, they're still both skills. Um, from fighting games, you first have to get the muscle memory of attacks, and then you have to take that s- skill that you've developed and take it a step further with knowing what characters are going to do what, or even your, what your opponents are going to do next. Uh, more seasoned fighting game players can go into more detail on that, but that's just my little novice yeah. level. Um, it does transfer to other games. Action plat- For fi- fighting games, action platformers uh, was my comparison with something like Ninja Gaiden. It, they, they, the, that, that learning of the muscle memory of whether it be attacks from a fighting game or a certain platforming pattern requires that same muscle memory. I think everything is skill and I think everything by default and I'll take my route from you know shooters specifically is you have there's shooting and, and all that is normally by, by casual players generalizes muscle memory but it's also called gun skill. So I think it, it's, it's always a skill. But then you take certain skills that you have and you try and file them into muscle memory so you can focus on certain things in my head. Like what I do, I have high gun skill when I'm playing Call of Duty or Halo. Mm-hmm. I know how to hit my shots. I know how to challenge things. I know how to hit angles. I know how to snake. I know how to do that and win a gunfight. And then... I saw I saw a semi in the uh, Call of Duty PV1 yeah. predicting your uh, movement where you were going to go. Yeah. And he would just no-scope. Uh, he would center the gun and just no scope. He's lucky as fuck. Predict. Okay, come on. No, <laughs> it's a one. It's a tiny one v one pit. He would hit me in certain spots where he would just make these. I don't want to complain about it, but it it's one v one pits. They're awkward. But if we're talking like a four v four, you know, there, there's the gun he skills. Took you there's to no school to... with all. Shut up, JD. I didn't talk while you were explaining. <laughs> yes, Semi beat me in a major not in in a couple more. He beat me in more one v ones than I beat him in. Later that day, we played some more, and we were, like, back and forth. He's got the 1v1 pit down. I haven't put any time to learning the 1v1 pit. He knew my spawns. He knew the guns better than me. He had the bands in his pocket. He had me. Good for him. In general, though, when, when I'm playing Search and Destroy, in, like, a respawn game mode, I, there's the rotations everything. I generally try and push the, the gun skill side of it to my muscle memory and not even think about it and just do it. Because that, that's what you need to do. I think the game sense is the most important part. Because what I need to reserve my brain for at that given time then is trying to predict, trying to find out where I can push, you know, trying to do everything game sense wise. Because I think game sense is way more important than muscle memory. And, you know, everything's a skill. Everything's a skill you can learn. And then once you have a skill that you've learned hard enough, like in anything in life, it becomes muscle memory. And then you can still adapt it. So 
I personally think though that muscle memory is way more uh, game sense is way more important than muscle memory because it allows you to win. But um, fighting games, I, I don't like fighting games. <laughs> I guess it helps me pr- learn to 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 look at the screen and predict a movement better or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like fighting games. I like Smash Bros, which is apparently a party game, but sure is. Yeah. All right. Next question: Will player unknown actually finish a game? No. Is early access acceptable for games like PUBG H one Z one? Yes. It's like, what? yeah. What brought along the endless beta? Minecraft, because Minecraft was actually in process, and he gave it out as a beta to say, hey, what do you like about this game? Do it more. And then it went viral, and he made an insane amount of money off of it while he was developing it. Every other studio was like, hey. That's how you get funded while you make a game. So all these indie studios, to get funded to make their game, they release it early, and they just keep getting paid for it. And they have built-in excuses on why the game's not working. It's pretty simple. So yes, I, and I, I don't care. I think it's acceptable, you know? So I don't, yeah. I don't think it's acceptable. Uh, Player Unknown will never finish a game. No, I think he will. The game is, is nearing 1.0 phase, because when it releases on console... Uh, it has to be 1.0 phase. They they'd said that, and it's like nine point something point something right now, and it's releasing mm-hmm. on Xbox soon. So it'll be 1.0 phase, and it'll be a finished game. So I still don't think it'll be considered finished. Well, it it'll say 1.0 because that's what they do. That is just what they do. And this this whole endless technically Minecraft is still not a finished game. No, it is a finished <laughs> game. I would disagree. <laughs> Minecraft's launch. I remember the official launch. I like, would say. I would say it's. When it, when it was put out on consoles, it's half the game that it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But and I remember there was an actual launch. Game. There was a launch day where it got the 1.0 update. You can launch a beta. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it is it, it is what it is. Meowth900 said, who's ready for Mario Odyssey? Dude, I, I wasn't I've ready. I've already played it's, Mario it's, Odyssey. It's a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready a while ago. And, uh, yeah, it's a fun one. With PUBG becoming a massive hit, what developer do you think will try to paddle Royale game? Who else is doing them? I think Ed. No, Ed, it's like, who do we think would yeah. try it next? EA. <laughs> EA. I think all the studios, because this is the big thing right now, I think you'll see a lot of people try and just slip their dicks into it a little bit. Yeah. I think EA will be the first one to do it. Yeah. You, you do. I think, yeah. I think Activision will be the first one to do it. Um, I think... I'm going to... I think... Call of Duty is going to have a Battle Royale mode. I thought this was going to be the one when they announced the 48 game mode. I thought they were going to put an actual Battle Royale. And I'm not talking about a huge Battle Royale who game. Makes, who makes Battlefield? Is that EA? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a Dice. They make it under EA, yeah. I don't yeah, s- I could see I could see something like that happening easily. I, maybe, but the thing about that's Battle Royale, yeah, I could see that too, but... I think Minecraft on console did something great because you, you have the Hunger Games PCs on PC and everything. But you, on Minecraft, they, they introduced this battle mode. And it was basically this small little area. There's like 12 people. And there's there's chess. It's a smaller arena. And, and matches take like 5, 10 minutes. I think Call of Duty is going to do something like that with like 20 players mm-hmm. or so. They'll have a small arena. It's a fast-paced Twitch shooter, so it's going to be a really quick game. But I think they will actually launch that just because they know it's popular and why not jump on there. So, uh, what franchise is for Battle Royale? Call of Duty, Battlefield, could you get one? Assassin's Creed with a Battle Royale mode could be awesome. They've I've been thinking about done that. that. They kind of did that. It wasn't really Battle Royale. 
It wasn't successful enough. It wasn't but successful. Yeah, they they have done it. Yeah. I don't think they if they that's where that. I don't think that's where the franchise is heading. Right. Um. I think Ghost um, Recon would do a good job at it. The Ghost Recon franchise, especially with like Wildlands, uh, I think they could tackle. Well, it okay. Amazing. Well, so the SOCOM series on the PS2 era did do a battle royale type mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that Rainbow Six online play is still is already there. It's not necessarily battle royale. It's it's still a generalized hero shooter. I really like that game. So, but, but if Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Six, I I could I, I definitely see Rainbow Six definitely having a uh, no they would never full do it on game. battle royale mode. They would never do it. At least in Siege, they would never do it. Well, not in Siege, but not I could see just a bat- Rainbow Six battle royale coming out. Right. I don't see Rainbow Six uh, releasing a new game for a very long time, but we will have to. I, I, I don't see that, but maybe, maybe, who knows? Uh, I really, anybody at this point could just jump in. If they have an idea that brings a fresh little switch onto the Battle Royale genre, they could make it. It'd be great. So, so to iterate the question, I see EA doing it first. I see, I see, I see Rainbow Six uh, implementing it the right way. And the idea would be something like a bunch of different uh like uh SWAT teams just going in all willy-nilly kind of like the division where you're going for one item yeah uh oh, rainbow are, rainbow are six always has division? solid hmm are they gonna do another division i can see division doing it tom clancy is gonna i i tom clancy is going to do a battle royale game like 100 percent. that is their place they're gonna do it I 100 Yeah, they they take that. a long time to develop though. Yeah, that's, that's will have you know I'm trying to predict I'm I'm trying to predict first yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah, first goes is either going to be EA or Activision because they look at the trends and they just pump it out as fast as they can for the money. Yeah, and so. then he asked uh, the same question Hickey asked earlier, pretty much. So we will uh, future or will they stick with boots on the ground type for a while? I think you're going to see to just give the small answer to the the second question. I think they're going to do boots on the ground for one cycle, maybe one and a half cycles, maybe two cycles. But I think they might step back into the future and stay boots on the ground. And I think we will see another jetpack game someday. How soon? I say I say three years. They'll be back no, up top in space. No. Or maybe in space, but I don't know with jetpacks. I think they're going to do historical for in historical and old school for a while. I think the Treyarch game, we have reason to believe it's a modern shooter. Um... There was there was a press release where Treyarch was trying to hire modern military uh, experts, and so we think right. it's modern. Um, I don't see them doing jetpacks for at least six years, for at least two cycles. Six years. Six years. Wow, that's that's like another console generation. Well, no. What you have to keep in mind right now is that the next three games are in development right now, based off of the information they have right now. And right now, everybody is high as hell on boots on the ground, boots on the ground. It's super awesome. Historical World War II. So the next three games right now, and that's why there were three jetpack games, because when Advanced Warfare came out, it was the first game on the cycle, because Sledgehammer starts the cycle. For the first half of Advanced Warfare, everybody was like, jetpacks are really cool. And then right at the end of Advanced Warfare, everybody said, we don't like this Well, then no, because then that would be three years from now would be at the end of that cycle. Right. But right, right. This is the beginning of the cycle, because... uh, Sledgehammer was developing their game, uh, started developing their game about halfway through AW, and they everybody was saying, hey, no, no, jetpacks, we're actually done with this. 
So they started developing a boots on the ground. But the problem was mm-hmm. Treyarch and Infinity Ward were already way into their dev cycles, development cycles, so they had to release those games. So they released the Jetpack games. And by the IW was doing so bad, they actually called in another studio to remaster a boots on the ground game. <laughs> so right now, everybody is like, boots on the ground, so you're going to see this cycle do boots on the ground. And I think boots on the ground is going to float hard enough to buy the next Sledgehammer game. Everybody's still going to be going boots on the ground. I think the next Treyarch game or the next Infinity War game, people are going to say, okay, wait, let's slow down. And then by the end of that next cycle, we might have a jetpack game or two. But I still see the Call of Duty community, anytime a jetpack game comes out, them saying, no, go back to boots on the ground. Hmm. So I think they might bring in another studio make a, to do a side You make a compelling project. argument, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I think a side project I, I th- might happen. I think based on the developer cycle with Call of Duty, because mm-hmm. they're on three studios, one year each. This year was Activision. Next year is going to be the other one. Well, no, no. This year is Sledgehammer. Then we're going to have Treyarch. Then we have Infinity Ward. That's the three-year cycle. So I think, and by the way, also, if they do ever do another Jetpack game, I think they're going to remaster another game. If they go and do oh, a Jetpack game. they'll probably just remaster Black Ops or something. No, I think they're going to do MW2. I think Modern Warfare 2 is going to get remastered next Jetpack game they do. Because they're, Activision's a people pleaser. They want everybody's money. And I think I I also think remastering Call of Duty games is terrible for the franchise. You, you can split, only you yep. can only win the the remaster in a loot box. Well, no, they wouldn't do that. They, what they would do is they'd probably do the same thing they did with IW and make it a pre order bonus, and then make it so you had to have that game installed. Nope, to play it's it. it's going to be a random drop in a loot box. That would they would no they would never do that. <laughs> but yeah, no. you're going to have to watch people trying to get the game. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna watch people there has to be four people watching and if somebody gets it it randomly chooses one of the people to get it oh no that's <laughs> awful so no but they, they Activision they, would yeah. do that shit too Activision knows the biggest part of the community and the biggest like reception they're gonna get in all their YouTube community and all that everything wants boots on the ground and they're always they're pretty much 100% always oh, gonna be man. sticking with that but there's a big part of the community that wants jetpacks so I think if they do jetpacks they're gonna remaster a game which is a terrible idea because it splits your community Especially in an online shooter, splits the community. Everybody, it's small. The YouTube community is split. Everybody's split. Everybody hates the other game. Everybody's mm-hmm. arguing in the forums. It just t- brutalizes and destroys your community. So, oh, fantastic. <laughs> yes, they will go back to the future. I can't. I 100%. personally can't wait for this Call of Duty phase to just be done and over with. Dude, Call of Duty. But it's going is, on so long. Call now. of Duty. The next Call of Duty is going. You know, there's going to be a Call of Duty that releases after the apocalypse. I swear um, to God. <laughs> it'll be like. It'll be the last albums. one. It'll, but it'll uh, come out. They'll be like Black Ops 17 out right, now. All right, all right, Drew. Let's right, let's, let's move on to the best. You've been playing Call Actually, of Duty since of... the dawn of time. <laughs> uh, we're at an hour here, so let's move on. Let's, uh, yeah, that let's, was the end of the questions. Let's 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 rocket rocket brute. Oh, boom! My God! So I didn't know this was long. happening until you mentioned me mentioned it to me, and that was I, Paris Games yeah, Week. How do you not know Paris Games Week is happening? <laughs> Because uh, I always do, I always watch the the one in Germany. Oh, well, there you go, Gamescom. Yeah, I always I always watch Gamescom and Tokyo Game Show. I didn't, I I'd never, I hadn't been aware of uh, Paris Games Weekend. Holy crap, am I glad I watched this? I was in a Best Western hotel in Albany, New York. <laughs> nice. Watching this on my dinky little tablet, and I had a cup of tea, and I watched the whole damn thing. I could not stop watching. That's how hyped I was for just what PlayStation had to offer. To me, this Paris Games Week, this two-hour segment was better than all of E3 back in July. 
That is how hyped I am. It was a good show. Paris Games Week it always is. Like I don't know, I don't know how you've never heard of this. Like uh, I, I don't huge. know, man. Just out of the loop. <laughs> Yo, by the way, something they did at Paris Games Week that I do not like, and this is, I will say this, it's about Call of Duty. They, <laughs> of course, it is. Yes, they announced <laughs> DLC one at Paris Games Week okay. with a release date, and the biggest issue with the game, this launch game, has nine maps. And then it has the Season Pass Carrington map from Call of Duty 2. Okay. This map, this game originally had 14 maps, including Carrington. But they, they're they on the disc. They're on the game. But they got cut and used as DLC. So. Oh, the old Capcom strategy. Yep. Such <laughs> BS. Well, I mean, if the game takes that much to develop, <laughs> that's why the DLC's coming out. At least out. they're good maps. All right. Mm. All right. Anyways. So, the first segment in Paris Games Week I want to cover are the PlayStation VR games that were uh, teased and announced. And I'm actually quite hyped for a few of these. Because um, I have a PlayStation VR, and I quite enjoy it. Have you ever played PlayStation VR yet? Little bit. Little bit. Wait, wait. So... Nope. Not PlayStation. No? Oculus. Lots of Oculus. Lots of I played a little bit of Oculus. It makes me sick. Yeah, well, I've just like physically awesome. sick, not yeah. because it's PC or anything. Uh, but PlayStation VR is actually getting much more and more uh, refined with every game that comes out. I think developers are really getting a handle on on uh, how to make games for it, and a lot of these games coming out uh, shows that the next gen of gaming could just be this this VR trend. I hope it stays. I honestly, mm-hmm. I really do. So the first game is uh, Blood and Truth. So this looks like a James Bond type game where you're just this dude shooting people and there's a nice little kind of spy mystery going on. Yeah. It looked real simple. It looked straightforward. Uh, it looked pretty good. Nice. Do you remember Do you remember it at all? I didn't watch the full show. I just kind of looked at bullet points. I was, True, uh, bitch. What was I doing? What was I doing? What night was this? Uh, Monday. I was hanging out with a female. <laughs> hey, female hey, hey, watching game stuff. hey, hey, you can't dock me for that, alright? <laughs> you can't. Like, I straight up, even the boys in my Discord give me more respect. It was World War II launch night. And I was like, hey guys, I'm gonna be 30 oh, minutes late. Launch? Jesus. I'm gonna be like 30 minutes late. I'm hanging out with a girl. Is this cool? And they're oh, like, man. you know what? Go for it. One of them was like, we're sitting here waiting for you while like, we're getting your dick snacked on. I was like, no, no, no. We're just chilling. <laughs> and they, but they, they had some respect because, you know, girls are kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> kind of. I give, I, kind of, kind of. Okay. That's hard. Kind of. But, you know, it's, you know, you, you give them the time, right? Oh, boy. So the next VR game uh, is called Sprint Vector. It is the future online kind of parkour racer. This Ooh. looked amazing. I'm all in on it already. This is a VR game? Yeah. Sorry. I'll tell you when when they're not VR anymore. Okay. Yeah, the, the, this is a, a futuristic racer. It looks intense as all shit. I'm, I'm all in. Um, it was the one that stood out the most to me, actually. Uh, then there's Moss, which is the little uh, mouse adventure platformer kind of puzzle thing. 
and it it works with uh, uh, both the the move and the dual shot controller. So that's that's pretty cool. Gotcha. Then there's Star Child, which looks more story based, and it features a girl with kind of uh, psychic powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the trailer showed her possibly going through something like astral projection. So I'm hoping. Um, still don't know much about it, but I'm hoping it's kind of like the game uh, PsyOps on the PS2 back in the early 2000s, where you just have a slew of uh, uh, psychic powers and you use them to go across and destroy enemies and whatnot. So what I'm hoping is it's like that, but more story-based instead of just kind of becoming a third-person shooter kind of game with psychic powers. Maybe this will be solving a mystery or something. I think that would be really cool. Right, that would be pretty cool. So I'm kind of hoping. Then there was the Final Fantasy 15 news with the standalone. It's not a DLC for Final Fantasy 15. This is a standalone game is this the third where it's like shooter? Monster Hunter, but you're fishing in Final Fantasy 15 oh, world. Nice. <laughs> Surprisingly right. enough, it actually looks really fun. There you go. <laughs> uh, it had it had all the characters from Final Fantasy 15. Uh, did you enjoy? the game or play it at all i played it a bit it was my favorite final fantasy game that i've played in a long time i just because i love the world i love that world. i just something about that game i just enjoyed just exploring it was so pretty it was it was simply really cool yeah. and uh, just a cool the the, tra- the 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 gameplay and trailer they actually showed actually has me interested in it now yeah i really want to play the other D- standalone dlc the third person shooter one with the blonde kid that one looked in like the antarctica that one looked interesting Oh. It was like Project something or other. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of unannounced still, basically. Yeah, that one looked interesting. Yeah, there's a there there was a lot of PSVR games uh, on the horizon that that looked pretty cool. So those those were just some of the ones that stood out to me. Um, then there was the Final Fantasy 15 DLC that's coming out, the Episode Ignis, and this looks like a top tier kind of story for an RPG. Isn't this the one I was talking about? Um. No. No. Gotcha. I don't think so. Gotcha. I think you were talking about something else, but Ignis is the, the cook dude, and something happened in uh, midway through Final Fantasy XV story, and this kind of covers what happened to him, so I'm pretty hyped for, for this episode to come out. Uh, I'm For some reason, I'm into buying DLC these days. All right, let me see. Uh, if I enjoy the game enough, I will definitely get the DLC. That's kind of where I'm, I'm heading. Um, but that does it for VR. Uh, any w- which one of those did I mention that stood out to you the most? Ah, uh, that the the parkour one. I'm talking about episode prompto. Oh, that came out okay. in June. Yeah, there's the ice. That one looked interesting. Also, there's Assassin's Creed DLC in Final Fantasy 15, which is kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can wear. I can look like an assassin. I like that. Yeah. It's All okay right. in Rayman Legends. You can you can uh, put the Assassin's Creed hood on Rayman, yeah. which is funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, the inline one is is uh, mine number one. Um, yeah, and then everything else was just too unknown. Uh, honestly, right. So, but yeah, inline racing in VR. Give me it now. <laughs> so now we move on to the heavy hitters. You ready for this shit? Yeah. This isn't VR. Ready, Drew? Yep. Tell me you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. 
I need to hear it in my ear. I'm ready! Alright. This is called... This is by Sucker Punch. Do you recognize that name at all? Yep. I'm excited for this one. The Sly Cooper. The infamous people. I'm ex- this is... Out of all Ghost. of them... I'm really excited for this one. <laughs> I, it's a game I didn't even know I wanted. I wanted though. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know it existed, and then all of a sudden, Ghost of Tsushima. Holy fuck! It looks sick. So this game's about a samurai, and you're fighting in a war, and shit's going down. That world that they introduced looks looked so cool, insane. Looks so good. Oh my god! It's what video uh, games need to focus I, on more. It's an immersive experience. I want. What draws me in more than anything, and like the last game that JD was talking about in the last episode, like Ease, the, what's intriguing about that is the world. I want cool worlds to look at that isn't, you know, my downtown, you know, like cars driving down the road. I want something that looks incredible and it's just amazing to see. And this is one of those my games. My God. The, there, there's a scene that they showed uh, where the samurai is approaching this one random area. Uh, they said you can go to all these areas. Uh, everyone plays the game a different way because it's so open world. Uh, so it's got, it's definitely it, you can tell it's definitely feeding off the Breath of the Wild kind of formula that's now developed. Yeah, and um, and I so love he's pull, it. He's pulling up. He goes into this like he's he's pulled up in this like authentic Japanese temple in the background there, all surrounded by these beautiful flowers, and they just pop on the screen, yeah. and you just want to be there. You want to be that samurai. <laughs> it's I'm excited. This is one of those single player games that I'm excited to play. So this game reminded me immediately of the Tenchu series, of what that series could be if it was made in 2017 today. <sighs> I am. This this was my takeaway of Paris Games Week. This game, Ghost of Tsushima. So it looks it looks like the must buy. I took um, away okay, I took away this definitely, but I also took away that Last of Us trailer. Okay, so let's go into the Last of Us trailer. Ah. Didn't really tell us much when you think about it. No, but that trailer got me hyped. That was intense. Do you think that was Ellie and she's just super jacked and using her little uh No, that's not Ellie. That is not Ellie. Okay, I, w- I wasn't quite sure who it was. Was it a new character? That's a new character. That's what was Ellie so interesting about this. Up. It was a new crew, new everything. This was completely new. That's why it was that would so be, That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I was. that's why I was intrigued. It was new. It wasn't Joel and Ellie. I, I still love Joel and Ellie, but I wanted something that, that, that intrigued me more than Ellie just being upset and killing people because that's such a sequel thing, you know? This looks fresh. Yeah, because so, they I'm called excited. it Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. Not Last of Us 2. So which makes me think they have a real legit tied in story here that they wanted to tell. Because I remember in the interviews, they said, if we don't have a story to tell, we're not going to make a sequel. And they say this is specifically part two. So that makes me think the first one was a part of a series. That means I think there's a purpose. There's something that's there's going to be a payoff. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it it, it, show, it was very gruesome. Showed a uh, showed this group of bandits or cult leaders or something, and uh, this one badass looking chick. I mean, she's got she's got pectoral muscles bigger than some girl's boobs. <laughs> That's great. You know, 
and uh, she just she she's being uh, hung because I guess she's uh, like Ellie, where she's mm-hmm. infected but not changed. Yeah. And um, my man, my man. my prediction for what this game is going to be because we saw in the first trailer she was upset and she was going to kill them all. I think she's now established she has friends, and I think the uh, the this is way down the line. The world is now kind of used to the apocalypse, and I think there's that that some weird religious cult. That is now kind of doing oh, stuff, so you and think I think this is even more. You yeah. think this is even more future based? I think this is like post post apocalypse. I think there's still the zombies, but everybody's now established in the world, and I think Ellie's a part of this this crew of people that that don't turn. And I think now this this weird religious cult is kind of against them, and they're the bad guys. And Ooh. I think she has friends, and I think she's I like angry, and she's going to hunt the cult down, and basically kill off the cult. So I think this is a I revenge like story, and I'm excited because I want to play, and I hope. We get to primarily play as Ellie in this game, not Joel. Or maybe we play as Joel and it's an outside perspective. I don't think of this you're going to be Ellie story. at all. I think you're going to be this badass other chick. Uh, maybe a little bit. I really don't know. We don't know anything about this game yeah. except for it looks See, awesome. I was, I was thinking, I was thinking that uh, if it's Ellie or not, that somehow uh, humans are now evolving at this point to the virus or plant disease that it is definitely and it's changing their bodies on a molecular level that's why that girl looked so freaking strong and scary looking (laughs) yeah i think this game is gonna be amazing and again Uh, i really hope they have the multiplayer from the first one in this game because that multiplayer is so much fun oh i never played it was never interested dude do you still have (laughs) the last of us can you download that or something I say just it the try it because it is fun. It's so, really fun. Uh, really quick, um, they they showed a little they showed a little bit bigger trailer of Monster Hunter World, and exclusive to PlayStation, you can play as Aloy. Yeah, so as a cool. big Horizon Zero Dawn fan that I am, I am all over. In that, that trailer, she fit I'm... in perfectly to that world too. Oh, she did. Yeah, exactly. And you can use her bow, and it looks all souped up and futuristic. It, it looks great. Um, so you got to be a PlayStation Plus subscriber. As far as I know, it comes out in December. you got to be a PlayStation Plus subscriber. You download the beta to Monster Hunter World, and you automatically get Aloy if you're, if you're uh, with PlayStation. Nice. So, you know, uh, a few podcast episodes ago, I was very hesitant on Monster Hunter World. I think I'm now... Old. I might get that game. I'm... It looks cool. I'm, I don't know, though. Uh, everything I'm reading and what I'm being told by the developers is it's the most uh, beginner-based game, Monster Hunter game that you can get, that newbies can get into. And it's also the most uh, flexible nice. in the gameplay itself. So that's something I've, I've been looking forward to for to a long time because the game looks amazing. And the franchise is, is wildly successful, and it's something I've wanted to be a part of. But again, I'm not a big online gamer, yeah. and this looks to have more of a story mode. And if I can beat Aloy in the Monster Hunter world, <laughs> give me it. It looks pretty sick. Yeah, and the monsters look beautiful. That There's uh, there's one part of the trailer where this like big butterfly creature with wings just snatches a giant dinosaur-ish creature right off the ground. And they're fighting in midair <laughs> while the character's just kind of looking at it mm-hmm. happening in front of them. Makes me really wish we had gotten that um, that dragon game on the Xbox that got canceled. You remember yeah, that it one? looked like trash to begin with. What? 
It looked sick. You had a freaking dragon that was fighting another dragon. Then you had like some headphones and some a big, yeah, with big nothing going fight on around thing. it. Everything was all bugged out. Uh, uh, it's Xbox. They don't make anything new anymore. <laughs> uh, I shit on that. I shit on that console so much. <laughs> I will. See if these is gonna be cool. I sure hope you're right. Same. There'll be many Xbox owners very disappointed. So anyways, this next game, I'm all in on it as well. It's called Concrete Genie. Okay. Did you see this? Nope. So this is this is one about your, uh, your kid getting bullied mm-hmm. in this, let's call it a Blade Runner-esque world. You know, a lot of, a lot of, uh skyscrapers old dark city um shit going on everywhere well it looks from what what i was interpreting interpreting was this kid's being bullied and in order to kind of escape reality you gotta kill him all paints well no what he does is <laughs> you, gotta, he paints, you gotta you gotta take like a, a rifle and you, you gotta go and you gotta show him that you're a strong kid and they now, this not kid was uh this kid was not a psychopath Oh, he well, I mean, was very sad, okay. and what he does Poor to escape kid. it is he paints on the sides of walls and buildings, and his paintings come to life. And then it interacts with the character and interacts with the environment to solve puzzles. Right. So it, it it's it's extremely colorful. Uh, it looks like you can make basically anything you want, almost uh, to a degree. So it's like um, scribble mats, but with bullies. It sort of looked like Scribble Nuts, just a lot more in depth and a lot tougher to develop. It seems. Uh, for example, there's a like a an area that's um, being blocked by a curtain of some sort. So you end up drawing on the on the on the wall a creature, and you give it you give this unique creature the ability to breathe fire, and then the creature will come to life and breathe fire and uh, make the curtains go away. And you can put like cool trees and environments around them, and character will interact with it. Uh, it looked it looked very sweet, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I I can't I can't wait for it. Honestly, it, it uh, looks like a surreal type of experience. Right. We just don't get a lot of those anymore. Everything's like whole action packed and and badass and terrible story with apocalypse and everywhere. Even though post apocalyptic worlds are the best. <laughs> This looked very simplistic. Then there was Detroit Become Human, which you're hyped for. I'm, I'm not. This, this game's been announced for too long. I'm in the place where I just don't care about it until I see a good review and I'll play it. So, yeah, I am so, hyped for um, it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is gonna be. I like this studio a lot. So. So I'm still not totally sold on her, uh, Detroit Become Human. Um, the stories look cool, but I'm still very hesitant to what's possible. Like, what are you? What are you? What are your actual consequences in game? Yo, I'll pay. Because for all I know, it could be the same as Beyond Two Souls. Like the story was there, but the game was garbage. I'll play. <laughs> I'll pay half the game if you pay half the game, and then you can just share play it to me. I'll play it. You can, you can have it. <laughs> Because it's one of those games that I don't want to play $60 on either. 
because it doesn't look worth sixty dollars. But no, it, it, I don't. I don't. You know what? I'm gonna look up real quick. Uh, what Beyond Two Souls got as a review? Uh, Beyond Two Souls review. Uh, yeah, it has a six six out of ten, seventy two on Metacritic. I know it's so, one of those games that that isn't really critically good, but you have a really like experience with because there are some pieces of media that do that where you know people don't really like it. Like my my parents' favorite movie is a is a movie about called About Time. It's about mm-hmm. like 18 percent on Rotten Tomato, I think. But they absolutely adore <laughs> this movie because it's it's <laughs> as far as is it's a great. It's not a critically great movie. But it's a really good movie. I enjoy this movie too. It's really good. Well, here's here's the thing. We we know we know the interactive movie genre yeah. is capable of making a good immersive game. Look at Heavy Rain. And then you have essentially a failure, which is Beyond Two Souls, because no matter what you did in the game, there was no consequences. And I, I bring I uh, I'm, I'm Rewinding back to my experience at Fan Expo in Toronto uh, in August of, of this year. Or no, uh, I'm sorry, September. Mm-hmm. Where my buddy played the game and he was very meticulous about everything. Got all the clues. Got all, got, you know, made all the right decisions. Dude, I was a Meanwhile, I played, I, as, <laughs> yeah, I played as fast as I could, fast as I could and, and pretty much did everything wrong. But then when I got to, the, got to save the, the girl that was on the roof... All I did was press X at the right time, and I saved her. I was like, "Well, what the fuck?" I, you know, he had ninety nine percent success, and I had like twenty eight. You're just naturally talented too. and awesome, and he's not. No, so. that that's that's the problem. I there's no consequence. Yeah. So if the whole game's going to be like that, I think then... that was the demo. I think that honestly was toned down for the E three demo. Everything was way easier at E three. Just so you were like, "Oh, that was cool. I did good." I think that I think just because I've played I that studio's so. games. Those games are built off of consequences. Those games don't work unless the consequences really hurt. I think that game is going to be cutthroat. But that's what I'm saying. In Beyond Two Souls, there were no consequences. So what's this one going to be like? Is it going to be just like that? Or is it going to be like Heavy Rain? I think this is going to be a lot more like Heavy Rain. Because the story is definitely there. I mean, I'm very into the story. I'm not into the game yet. Right. Uh, the last one here is God of War Valhalla, because I refuse to just call it God of War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we already have a God of War, and it's really good. <laughs> this game, I have never been a God of War fan, because I'm just not a fan of that genre. This game, I want to play this game, though. You're not a fan of the hack and slash? Uh, not, no. I just, I get kind of bored, because I'm just doing the same thing, you know? And I realize that is very an ironic statement I just made, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not, hack and slash was just never my thing. But this game looks, in the story of them never intriguing, this game looks good. I'm intrigued by the characters, the world, the story. So, I'm excited. It definitely, like, I'm definitely going to get the game. There's no doubt. I'm, I'm way into God of War. The only, the only one I've never had an interest in playing was Ascension. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, not but. So, this God of War Valhalla edition. <laughs> yeah. Which they totally missed the boat on calling it that. Valhalla edition. They could have called it God of Valhalla. Could have called it God of, of happiness. 
or Thor's Wrath or something, you know. Uh, they could still have Kratos. Like, Kratos uh, kicked out of Greece all pissed Dude, off. Dude, I would love like, to play a God of War game. I'm going to fucking Poseidon. Norway. That would be awesome. Especially the next gen if they mm. made it all pretty and shit. So, Dad Kratos um, teaches his son, showing him... The, the trailer showed a uh, he's got an axe, and he can use it in various ways. The mechanics of using the axe of it, like... Him throwing it, and then you press a button, and it comes back into his arm real quick. That was badass yeah. as all hell. The story of the game is uh, essentially Daddy Kratos going on an outward bound trip with his son, so he could build some character, you know, become a real a real good good member of society, and learn to kill. Oh kill yeah, animals. yeah, from Kratos. Yeah. sure. <laughs> no, you, you know, his dad's got to teach him something, right? I mean, Get look at Marcus survival. Phoenix. He taught his son to be cool. Okay. Oh god. I think Kratos is gonna die at the end of this game. I do too. <laughs> I think yeah. Kratos is gone. I think they're gonna get. To just, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's. Well, he doesn't have to be gone. I mean, they could easily revive him. Well, no. What I think is gonna happen at the end of the game, he's gonna get killed by the final boss, and then his son's gonna take him. He's gonna rob. I'm gonna get that you. That would be an epic finish. Yeah, and then his son's gonna kill him, and you're gonna end the game with the son, and then the next game, inevitably, you're gonna be. Is I think it's gonna be a little in the future, and you'll be you'll be baby Kratos. Here's my prediction. Okay. They're out. They're uh, he's out teaching. Yeah. Uh, kid Kratos, all the all all, all the tricks of the trade. Kid Kratos. Uh, yeah. Something something bad happens. Like they're out. They're sort of they're pseudo out for revenge against this one uh, like Norwegian god. Uh, such as that god killed the kid's fam original family, and and Kratos kind of found him. And at the very end, the same god kills Kratos by sort of tricking the kid like let's let's say time has passed like 10 years or so so now the kid's late in his late teens um gets real pissed off and now he's super pissed off at all the gods because they were all in on it because they heard things from greece you know don't fuck kratos he's bad get him (laughs) right and that's where it will set it that's where it'll set up kind of new kratos i predict you can (laughs) throw animals in this game well, no game is complete in 2017 unless you can kill small creatures. Yeah, I think you can, like, hear a boss fight and there's, like, cows around you in destructible environments. I think you can grab that cow and just throw him at the boss. Oh, boy. Uh, but I'm all in. Valhalla, gimme. Cool. So just to reiterate Paris Games Week of the games that we uh, we went over here, uh, PSVR was Blood and Truth, Sprint Vector, Moss, Starchild, Final Fantasy XV Fishing, and then the uh, episode Ignis. The PS4 games announced mm-hmm. was were Ghost of Tsushima, Concrete Genie, Monster Hunter World with Aloy as a playable character, Detroit Become Human, God of War Valhalla, and Last of Us Part Two. Which of the games, Drew, are you most hyped for? The, the, the samurai you one, pick where one. you throw the animals and you have a cool flower world. I 100% agree. Ghost of Tsushima is my takeaway from Paris Games Week. Let's do it. It's going to be sick. I can't believe it. Uh, I rate Paris Games Week a freaking 9 out of 10. I loved everything about the presentation. I loved the panel. Uh, It beat the shit out of E3. This is what I want to see out of game announcement cons or whatever you want to call it. I give it a 9.1 because I'm a nicer guy than JD. Oh, God. Okay. Feel free to tweet me. Uh, I'm a nice guy. 
I forget what I gave Sony at E3, but I, it had to be like a six or a seven out of ten. It wasn't. It wasn't all that great. Um, same thing with Xbox and and Nintendo. I think I gave an eight or a nine. So nice. Nintendo did really good at um, E3, but dude, I cannot say enough. The <laughs> Nintendo booth on the floor was the coolest thing I have been in, in my entire life. They literally created the what was the name of the town in Odyssey, the city. Uh, New Donk City. They created New Donk City at E3. It had the music oh, person, and cool. it, it was almost it was incredible because it was immersive. They had actors, they had bands. It was, it felt like I literally stepped into a real New Donk City. It was mind blowing. They did an incredible job at it. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Well, speaking of New Donk City, uh, that's one of the games. Let's hit Odyssey first. Let's let's try and no, we're doing. Are you kidding? Me? We're doing Odyssey last. Are you shitting me? Okay. Dude, it's such a long podcast, man. We're gonna be we're doing forever. Odyssey last. All right, all right, let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna go to, we're gonna go down the list on on the games here, uh, pretty much in the order they came out, more or less. Okay. Um, real quick, Forza Seven and GT Sport came out. Gran Turismo Sport. They're, they're, yeah, Forza is about as good as it is whenever you know it's Forza. No, Nothing no, changes. no, 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 no. Okay, fine. No, no. Forza Seven okay. is a piece of shit. <laughs> All right, piece of shit. Uh, GT Sport. It is a piece of shit. I hated everything about that game. It is everything I hate in modern gaming. I thought Shadow of War was everything you hate in modern gaming. <laughs> no, Forza Seven put that to shame. <laughs> Before, but Forza came out before that the game. Shadow of War was actually kind of fun. Forza 7 wasn't fun. So here, here, here let me explain. Forza 6 was a fine racing game. It was good. Mm-hmm. A lot of cars to collect. There was arcade modes. Good little story thing oh, going on. Forza 7 is filled with microtransactions, loot, blo- loot boxes, and constantly reiterating the fact that you're collecting cars. You're not. It doesn't feel like you're in a racing game. It feels like you're in a collect-a-thon. Okay. Yeah. So the ra- and the racing is incredibly easy. It's incredibly easy. The game looks great graphically. because yeah, it's Forza. Don't get me wrong. Because <laughs> it's because it's a racing game on a modern console. Well, it's a it's a racing they, game on Xbox funded by Microsoft. That's why it looks good. Well, no. Every every new console. No. Since the beginning of time. No. The Stack a racing game the, up it, on the PS4 against Xbox. For GT Sport looks better than Forza Seven. First of all. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not having superior. this argument because I am by default. I, I am. I. I. I'm less knowledgeable about all of this. So if I keep talking, <laughs> I'm just going to start speaking out of my ass. That being said, uh, Drive Club from like four years ago still looks better in a lot of ways than Forza Seven and GT Sport because that's how way ahead of its time it was. <laughs> but anyways, right now GT Sport looks the best compared to Project Cars Two and Forza Seven. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there are certain elements that each of those three games are graphically superior in some way. Like, there's no uh, uh, rain effects in GT Sport, while there is in Project Cars 2, where the weather is the main focus of that game, as we mentioned uh, in a previous cast. Uh, but Forza 7, you, you have so many cars to collect, okay? Mm-hmm. And the whole objective in the game seems to be just collect the bigger and better cars, you're not actually out there to race them is how is was my takeaway. It was just the collecting. It, it was almost like I was collecting Hot Wheels as a kid, mm-hmm. except not not as cool as Hot Wheels. 
Hot Wheels is pretty awesome. It, Hot Wheels were awesome. I fucking love Hot Wheels. Forza 7 is just pictures of cars. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I felt the racing was incredibly simplistic. This is a good game for people trying to get into racing games for the first time. But I would reiterate that by saying, don't buy Forza 7, buy Forza 6. <laughs> no, don't buy a Forza 6. Buy a Forza Horizon game. Well, okay. I was going to get get to that. So, uh, a week later, when I went to go get Ask Creed Origins and Odyssey, at the Best Buy, they had Forza Horizon 3 on demo. And I was immediately more impressed with that game than Forza 7. Because that game, they take all the graphics and everything, and they apply it to this big, crazy world where you can do all kinds of awesome stuff and super crazy fast cars, and it's fun. Because it's video gaming. Yes, that game was fun. Forza 7, I never once felt like I was having fun. Every race felt like a task uh, forced upon me just to collect cars. On top of the fact that microtransactions and loot loot boxes were constantly in my face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was so annoying. Forza Forza Horizon 2 accomplishes all of that with very little microtransactions. Yeah, I would say get Horizon Forza 2. Horizon series. The Forza Horizon 2, yeah. I think the Horizon series is is massively better yeah, than really anything I, I I anything I felt in Forza 7. If I if, if Project Cars 2 still wasn't so didn't still didn't have so much improvement over the driving mechanics, I would say that's even better than Forza 7. But right now they're tied. <laughs> Alrighty. So, GT Sport uh, has its own flaws. Now, I do like the game. It's very simplistic. It, it's very uh, it's very bare bonesy for a racer. Uh, it's very limited in a lot of ways. Like I said, there's not, not a lot of uh, weather elements you can race on in tracks. Uh, that's kind of disappointing. But the skill level required to to race in Gran Turismo Sport is immense. How how much do you know about this and I don't know played Gran Turismo games in the past? I've watched a couple tournaments, but that's it. Okay. So one thing they 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 one thing about Gran Turismo is it's it's love for it, it teaches you to love cars. And this game definitely does that. Uh there's a lot of simplistic little missions, uh uh you know, it, it puts you on a track. Uh, it's, you know, beat the best time uh, with this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, very simple. It looks gorgeous. The ca- Each car feels individually different, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I didn't have a, I don't have a racing wheel. I have a regular controller. And even then, it, you can tell the difference in every car on, a, on, on just a small scale. You can even tell when you change tires out on the track. That's how detailed the Gran Turismo has gotten. And yeah, you get you get that in Forza, but not to the amount or level that Gran Turismo is in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh the VR section is outstanding. It's it's a must buy if you have a VR. Wow. I can't reiterate it, reiterate that enough. It is fantastic. Now, uh, the car I happen to own in reality is also in the game, <laughs> so there's kind of a, a funny moment there with a friend, because we both have cars that are in the game, and like, so, do you want to choose your car? I go, why would I choose my own car in a video game? Wait, 
I could have my car in the mountains of Switzerland. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so we were doing we were doing things like that. Um, the the uh, the one feature that the game is separating itself for, and I really appreciate this out of what Gran Turismo has done, is they've kind of implemented a, a courtesy driving system. Uh, a merit system, you might say, uh, where if you play online, the you can't just ram cars off the road. It's trying to teach you to actually be a racer. So you can't just rear-end someone, throw them out. Uh, you'll get docked points. You'll get docked a lot of time. So even though you might be in first place, you're, you're still like 30 seconds behind. Mm-hmm. So that's really changed the online aspect of the game a lot. It's a it's a brand new racing experience, which I, honestly I, I've never seen in a racing game before. It's it's really cool. You even experience that play, uh, racing AI, like AI actively try to avoid you. Uh, I, there was a lot of missions where I would accidentally take a turn uh, too sharp, uh, run off a, run off the road heavily, and. Um, I would be docked time, or I would be I would be forced to slow down. They would say, "Okay, you have to slow down, otherwise we're going to dock you. We're going to start docking you time." I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" Right. Uh, yeah. It, it was. It's. It's. It's a really cool new feature, and um, you could tell this is kind of a uh, the VR is the big sell, mm-hmm. and this mode is the sell. Right. Uh, a lot. A lot of the more intricate systems that we're more familiar with with Gran Turismo seems to be heading towards what we're going to see in, say, Gran Turismo 7 mm. somewhere else down the line. You can definitely feel a lot of that. Is it a must-buy? I would say no, unless you have VR. Right. If you don't have VR, I, I say pretty much just skip this game altogether. Okay. Yeah. As, as, as good eventually. as I'm saying it is, I don't think there's enough there to justify it. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, and the game has to constantly be online and connect to the servers. That's right. really annoying. Yeah, that thing—that's that's a thing. Super annoying. These these years, like I hadn't had internet for days because of the move, and uh, basically playing GT Sport was almost worthless. Right. I had to manually save everything all the time, and con- and that no server connection hit me every time I was going to race, <laughs> and after a race. Nice. I just couldn't. I just didn't feel like playing it. I was just. It was just too irritating. Right. So. Uh, thoughts, Drew, over the two games. Um, I I don't have much thoughts because I'm not a racing game guy at all. That's one of my lower genres that, and I, I mm-hmm. yeah I'm not even really big of a car guy. So. They're both pretty. Car games look real pretty. Like Mario Kart is so beautiful. Like I, nothing rivals it, honestly. And also Forza <laughs> in GT. So. Woo! Racing. Are you surprised about what I what I said about the both? I, I'm, both I'm interested. I'm, I'm you know, like I was intrigued, and uh, but you're the expert on that kind of stuff, so mm. I wouldn't call myself an expert. I'm just a uh, a seasoned driving you're the game local guy. know it, dude. <laughs> you're the do get it guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I mean, if I if I didn't have a Best Buy gift card to spend, mm-hmm. I, I definitely would have felt like I wasted my money on GT Sport. Right. Honestly. Uh, so why don't we? Why don't you talk about the next game? 
Alrighty, the Middle Earth franchise has hit us with another game called Shadow of War, which is basically Shadow of Mordor, but instead of Mordor, it's War. So, it's, it's pretty, it's, I didn't play too much of it, I just ran around and killed some dudes through the Nemesis system. That's all I really like about the game. I'm not that crazy of a fantasy nerd, dude, so. Um, JD does not like this game because of the microtransactions. And yes. Oh, it's irritating. Yeah, that's that's current AAA title. It's a, a Ubisoft, right? No, it's yeah. uh, like WB. WB. It's the Batman guy. Yeah, it's how you make money nowadays. Yeah, I hate it, but it's, you know, you get to stab dudes. It's cool. Like, it's Shadow of War, you know? It, it's, it's, it's a Middle-Earth game. It's Lord of the Rings. It's pretty much the same thing as the first one. They've just adapted the Nemesis system, and now you can make armies. And, you know, you can... They just so made what is the Nemesis system? Nemesis system is basically this AI system that essentially um, builds a, not really a government, almost an empire of people. Like, so it, it builds this giant army. Let's say you, every enemy in the game is one army. So let's say they, they build this one army. It ranks, it ranks mm -hmm. certain people throughout that entire army. So like this guy controls all this stuff. This guy's a boss here. This guy's... And they take each other's place. They fight, and it it automates this whole like evil dudes world of of control and government and all that kind of stuff. And allows you to hunt these people down and slowly take down this army. And it's all randomized, so it's just a lot of fun to run through all that and kind of topple an empire, you know. So, I did I did think it was cool that when you would come across one of these orcs, that when they would kill you. Uh, he he would the the snarky comments was just nonstop in this yeah, game. Oh, orcs uh, coming across a new orc, he's just like, "Hey, fucker, what are you doing?" And if he kills <laughs> you when you come back. He'd be like, "Ah, that motherfucker, you coming back for more?" Did they actually <laughs> swear in this game, or is that just? Genuine? Oh no, I'm just I'm just oh, I'm just over over exaggerating it. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, uh, th I mean that that that's a cool thing. I not really experienced anything in another game like that. I thought that was very interesting. It definitely got me immersed in the world. However, the fact that they treated the orcs themselves as disposable cards, essentially, I didn't like because then I ended up spending so much time just in a menu. Just getting rid of them and making a new one and leveling them up. And if you uh, if you got an orc to a certain level, such as legendary, they're pretty much worthless. They died immediately in battle. It was so dumb. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part is the further I got in the game, uh, you keep getting. Of course, you keep getting stronger and stronger orcs. But if you forget one time to send one of these stronger orcs back to a past castle that you got to defend, you're gonna lose that castle immediately. And you don't really, and the game doesn't really put you in the state of mind to get you to want to do that, or even care, because the story is what's supposed to carry this, and the story is garbage. Yeah, well. Like, holy crap was I bored. <laughs> I mean, the main character is nobody. He's a nobody. Why should I care about this guy? He's a ranger. His name's Tally, and oh it's a cool God. name. <laughs> you come across, like anyone he talked to was more interesting than him himself, and he's supposed to be the main character. That's so dumb. the the the, dial the, the written dialogue in this game was beyond dull. <laughs> Alrighty, well, yeah. 
Like as you said, all you did was go around kill shit, yeah. and then that was it. That was fun. This is Didn't the game. The story. This is the game that I play <laughs> when I just want to listen to a podcast at home. Because <laughs> you just run around and mindlessly kill stuff, and it's entertaining. So, I thought I thought the fighting system was was uh, very well refined. It's fun it was, and satisfying. It was a lot of fun. Right? It was fun dry, uh, riding dragons and lighting orcs on fire. Uh, I love. I, I I did find it a bit difficult to know, say what the what particular orcs or this orc was weak to so like one orc is weak to poison but only up to a certain amount so if you give him too low of a dose he'll like trick you into thinking he uh died and then he, you know you go up to him and he like put puts his hand on you like, ah you thought that was enough poison to get me fucker <laughs> you know it, there's only so much things like that can grasp you after a while. Mm-hmm. So I had fun in the limited amount of time I played, but I don't feel like I need to play anymore because I felt like I played all that the game had yeah. to offer. But dude, when you're listening to a podcast at home, just go play. It's fun. You know? No. It's okay. And, on, and honestly, I just could not get it. I, I, I've never been a Lord of the Rings guy. Uh, that fantasy world is so unappealing to me. Yeah, same. Um, I think if you're into that world, you might like, you, you'll obviously like the game more. Mm-hmm. But holy shit! With 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 a story that dull, I don't even know how you could even get into that. <laughs> yeah, just throws you out of the world. And of course, the microtransactions are absolute shit. Mm. <laughs> I figured I'd talk about the other aspects of the game besides microtransactions. You could easily hate a hate a game uh, for something stupid like that. Uh, with f- go back to Forza Seven, that's all the game felt like. Obviously, there's more to Shadow of War than the micro pain system. Right. Definitely. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So there's not much more to Shadow of War. It's pretty pretty simple. Um, South Park. <laughs> Dude. Fractured butt. Fractured but hole. <laughs> not butthole. Hole? Not butthole. It's hole, as in a hole like a whole pizza that I ate hole. earlier. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> It's it's a South Park show. It, it, okay, it's the South Park stick of truth, but with a fractured butthole instead of a stick of truth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like you're playing a South Park episode and it's and it's canon and it's fun. It's funny, it's cool. The the combat system they upgraded is fun. You know, like it's really it. It's pretty simple as well. If you like South Park or if you like funny stuff, you'll love this game. If you like, if you have a raunchy sense of humor, yeah, it's gonna be, it's definite must buy. Um, takes place directly after the Stick of Truth, and it immediately jumps in. Uh, however, the first hour, hour and a half, is a slog. Yeah, it was so boring and and monotonous. Yeah, there's some jokes and hit there, and it they make you laugh, but the the whole getting you into the groove of what makes the game happened just took way too long uh but once you get past that hour and a half the game's great right that's that's my that's that's one real drawback the other drawback i felt was the combat system yeah it was definitely more refined than stick of truth because stick of truth was very bare bones you could tell that they hadn't really done it much before mm-hmm. i felt like because th- this time you have a uh, kind of a grid kind of like a real-time strategy grid um, three by nine mostly is what I found. 
Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Final Fantasy X battle system. Uh, going around, you can you can certain moves will hit certain areas of the boxes, like three in front of you and one to the right, and and that was really cool. It, it, you know, you the, all the characters are now superheroes and they have different superpowers. Uh, which which of the three powers did you choose um, when you were playing? Oh, shoot, I don't even remember. I, I played I played on a friend's you... account, and it was yeah. That's yeah how I, played. I forgot what what <laughs> guy he was. Did you make him black? Yes. Did you make the character black first of all? Yes, okay. he was very black. I kept making I kept I mean, making I like characters... sarcastic rap <laughs> references. <laughs> oh no! I made the character like look slightly Puerto Rican, <laughs> so just above the medium. Mm-hmm. difficulty level for those that don't know the difficulty setting is by choosing the character's uh color of his skin so paley ass white is super easy and then black is super hard mm-hmm. but uh th- this is kind of that difficulty question that we hit earlier um the game doesn't really need a difficulty level because you're not playing it for the battle system you're playing it for the the constant lieu of jokes and and funny story that's happening in front of you in South Park. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you could tell the developers kind of were going for something like that. And for a good joke, even with the level, uh, the difficulty setting. <laughs> uh, there's lots of immediate collectibles and tasks uh, and side quests kind of, I think, distracting from the game a bit. So like pooping in every toilet, uh, yeah. beating up, X amount of sixth graders will level up. It, it, it hits you with so many of these things right away. You're you're kind of overwhelmed, and you don't really see a point to doing it other than just kind of being an achievement hunter. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't really care for that in in games in general. And as much as I like South Park and and this game in general, um, there's just some drawbacks there. Yep. Uh, uh, I I chose the uh, the fire blast ability. Mm-hmm. Kind of like. Um, Firestarter, yeah. if you're familiar with that, yeah. Uh, I tried playing a little bit with uh, the strong character. He's just super strong, like the thing. Uh, yeah, it was okay. Uh, the good thing is, though, that no matter what superpower you choose at the beginning, you get so many upgrades and different little extra powers over the course of the game that it kind of makes it mute. Mm-hmm. So this kind of also reiterates the fact that that first hour, hour and a half is... is pretty much a slog until you start until it gets going right so uh i say it's a must buy if you're a south park yeah fan, if you're a south park for fan 100 sure. because you they're just going to be references to the games in the show as well you oh, know yeah. so uh i i was laughing at a ton of the jokes i mean mm-hmm. the the best joke at the beginning was definitely when you're uh, <laughs> when you're in a a church and you're in the back room with a bunch of priests mm-hmm. <laughs> and the oh. priest the priest pulls out an anal bead chain and starts whipping himself with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, well, speaking of priests whipping each other with anal beads, Evil Within oh, has god. got a lot of weird demon stuff that and demons have anal beads and priests are in it, I think. Dead priests are probably in it. There's probably some dead priests in those crazy face monsters. Yeah. How much How much of this did you not play? Much, Evil not Within much. 2. Because this was a this was a very neither of us played much of this. I I enjoyed what I played. I didn't buy it. much of it. I played six fucking hours of this game. Yeah, well, you know, six hours is six hours. If anything, I played uh, Forza Seven the least, South Park, South Park the second least, and Shadow of War the third okay. least. 
But yeah, no, no. Evil Within 2, definitely. I think JD is going to definitely gripe about the issues, but it's, you know, it's a little spooky, some crazy monsters, action, you know, it's, it's, it's a modern game. It's not an amazing game. It's not a terrible game. It's one of those games that you can just pick up at GameStop and play, especially with that new renting program they have. Well, oh yeah, they are doing yep. that. Which yeah. I'm actually going to utilize. It's going to make me go back to GameStop. <laughs> so I'm just going to rent all the podcast games now and play them for myself. There you yeah. go. Uh, so Evil Within Two, very hyped game, uh, horror game coming out in October. Had a lot to had a lot a lot to get behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are very there. There are a lot of people that are heavy heavy fans of the first game, which I was not a fan of. I thought it was actually pretty trash. Uh, I will immediately say that Evil Within 2 does everything, it improves on everything that the first one uh, should have been. Um, this this is the game that the first one should have been, basically. Yeah. Uh, the story takes place immediately after, and of course it makes no sense and is immediately convoluted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, music is good, I guess. Yeah. Alright! <laughs> ask, ask Creed Oranges! No, 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 no. I got, I got a lot more oh, to say really? about Evil really? Within 2. Okay. I really wow, do. Go at it. Just rapid fire. Uh, the control scheme is pretty wonky. Uh, the crouch and run are examples of of it being just off. The controls felt off in this game immediately as well. Uh, visuals are, are fantastic. I love the opening scene of the of the of your house being on fire and you have to go find your daughter and then your daughter was like this evil creature thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole purpose of the game is you go into it's basically Inception. Uh, slash um, Total Recall, where you're in this kind of dream world, dream state, and uh, that dream world basically becomes Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. So, because you go, it takes it t- it takes anywhere from forty minutes to an hour for the game to actually start becoming a game, which annoyed the living piss out of me because I kept thinking, am I ever going to play this fucking thing? Because it was just story, story, story. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Already convoluted. Made zero sense. All you, you're just like, yeah, okay, got my, my daughter's still alive. Go get her. <laughs> Go get her. Evil organization took her. Got her. Got her. But no, they just kept they just kept going on and on and on. <laughs> and you just wander from the next place just with basically no interaction to get more dialogue. And and so I, I reached out to a uh, uh, to to a uh, friend of mine who's a fan of not only the first game but this game as well. He played the shit out of this, and he's like, "Well, it takes like eight hours, six to eight hours to really get going. That is unacceptable. Are you kidding me?" <laughs> he's like, "Well, I played the game for like thirty six hours, so what?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. If I, if I came to you, Drew, with a Call of Duty game." <laughs> And I told you, oh, it only takes like six hours to really, really get that campaign going. Would you even bother with the campaign? Call of Duty games only six hours for a campaign. So if you said it took six hours to get going, I would say no, don't play the campaign. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if we're talking about like a Last of Us game, though, and you're like, you know, it's a Last of Us game, but it takes six hours to get going, I probably would do it. The Last of Us didn't take six hours to get going. It took ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, it took like. 30 seconds. What are you talking about? That intro is amazing. (laughs) 
Like, you were immediately in the world. You're scared out of your mind. There's freaking plant zombies coming at you. Evil Within 2, you're just like, okay. Yeah, all right. Dad's sad. Daughter gone. Got it. Go find her. Oh, I have to hide behind a couch now from this dude who teleported. Oh, he doesn't actually attack me. All right, cool. <laughs> oh, man. Luckily, you can hold more than one bottle this time around. That was a big flaw in the first game. That was annoying. So now you can distract more enemies. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I didn't like the open world aspect of it. Really? You kind of just want you. You kind of wander in this kind of wastelandy area. There's. I never felt scared, and I'm a pansy with with scary games. Oh. This one, I never felt scared. I felt more scared playing Hellblade, and that's an indie game that takes place in six hours. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. People love it, though, and I, I, I honestly do not see why. I think it's a bad horror game, honestly. I think it's more of an action game that's slow. <laughs> As are... Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, contact me on Twitter or something if you, if you, uh, if you enjoyed the game, because I honestly don't see it. He's going to call you names. Because remember, I'm a nice guy. He's not a nice guy. No, I wouldn't. Contact me on Twitter, and I'll give you a nice compliment. Yeah. Go talk to Drew about Call of Duty. I'll talk to you about how shitty Evil Within 2 is, and you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong. Ask Creed Oranges is terrible. Nobody should play it. Oh, it's actually pretty good. It's actually quite wonderful. Yeah. I'm actually very, uh, very happy with it. I, you know, I wish a lot of a lot of the bugs and glitches were were out of the game because there are way too many laugh out loud moments, yeah. such as when you immediately go get into the game. See, you're this, uh, you're in Egypt, yeah. Drew, and uh, you're a magi, kind of a, a a guard of the Egyptians, so to I say. I got the Egyptians, and uh, woohoo! And the uh, there's a camel because you ride camels in this game like mostly. Camels. There's still there are horses, but you do ride a lot of camels. The camel, all every animal in this game looks ridiculous with the way it kind of interacts. My camel boomy so is the best camel. Looks like it's constant. The camel looks like it's hovering over the desert instead of actually running. Hovering flying camel by the god of Ra. <laughs> he gave me a camel that flies. Woohoo! <laughs> Egyptians, yeah. Uh, are you black in this game? You well, you're Egyptian, so yeah. Good. Just making sure the same true character. Oh, this dude, this main character's badass. Yeah, because he's assassin. He's got he's got a he's got a badass little backstory going on where he murdered his child accidentally. Oh, be, from this, oh like, my! Oh, oh yeah. my! Oh yeah! <laughs> this cult, this cult, like tricked him and murdered his murdered his son. It's 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 brutal. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like the beginning of Batman versus Superman in the actual. Wait, no. Wait, wait. Oh, I got something wait, wrong. Oh. I got something mm. wrong. No, there's. That's okay. When Superman kills his girlfriend and he goes crazy. Yeah. And... I mean, you've been you've been you've been seeing uh, me playing the game. Yeah. I mean, it's an Assassin's, Assassin's Creed game Creed. for sure, yeah, but it it does a lot of things differently. Um, so you can climb literally everything. Okay. The amount of detail in the world is is outstanding. It makes how is it has been a lot. It has that. Fun. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to that part yet. Okay. I'm six or seven hours into the game. Okay. It's it's nuts. Uh, the leveling up system. So it this is where it, it diverges from a lot. 
yeah, there's a loot box system. I haven't even really noticed it. Thank God. Uh, so if you do the pause yeah. menu and press right on the D-pad, that's how you get to the loot box system. Mm-hmm. Uh, micro micro pay. Uh, gotcha. So I'm just like, okay, nope, never push that button on the pause menu, and I'll never see it. And I, I feel did. like JD's like <laughs> hatred for um, microtransactions was born out of like he bought like the hundred dollar thing for Clash of Clans one day. And then he just like failed horribly, and he just has this like burning hatred for them now. No, it's a system that pries against people's weaknesses. Have you ever bought microtransactions? Yes. What's the biggest microtransaction you ever bought? Uh, ten dollars on FIFA fourteen or something or twelve. Okay. On Ultimate Team Packs. I'm not gonna give out my microtransaction info, but. I was very gullible, and I may have put in a couple thousand dollars into a game. Uh, you poor, you poor soul. I don't want. Sounds like it. Sounds like what happened in Overwatch, <laughs> dude. I, okay, I, I don't. I, yes, but I that's put a exact, couple thousand dollars exactly into Black the problem. That's the see. That's the problem. It yep. preys on. I'm not dumb like that anymore. People. I wouldn't pay that. It's much. disgusting. But the Black Ops Three was such a m- fun game. And their supply drop system was the most broken Call of Duty's ever done. And you just had to get lucky. I bought hundreds and hundreds. Literally spent like 2k on supply drops in that game. People, people have done the same thing in Overwatch. Yeah. People do the same thing in, in other games. People do... People... Uh, I, I read articles uh, from Europe of kids spending thousands of dollars uh, opening those those FIFA, FIFA Ultimate Team uh-huh. Packs. It's disgusting. Um, Shadow of War. Every time you put you push the pause menu, there it is. Microtransactions in your face. Forza Seven. Anytime you fucking race, there's something in your face that reminds you of, of micropay. It's disgusting. Assassin's Creed Origins at least keeps it. I mean, th- th- Ubisoft of all people. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Mm-hmm. It's in the game, but you hardly notice it's there. Uh, it, it's it's very different. So, anyways. <laughs> Back to Ask Read Oranges, which is the best title ever. <laughs> there you go. Um, there's a lot to love about this game. It's uh, there's a there. It has a major RPG element to it. It reminds me a lot of the same sort of system Horizon Zero Dawn has mm-hmm. in how you level up your character and abilities. Um, the difference, though, is Horizon Zero Dawn's a much refined, much more refined game. Yeah. Uh, but where Assassin's Creed has the advantages, the the ability to literally go anywhere a lot easier because yes, he can climb any anything and everything. While Horizon Zero Dawn, you can't do that. It has to be designated areas to climb. Um, the leveling up system I'm already finding a bit irritating because let's say I want to do more story-based missions right now and maybe side quests later. You can't really do that. You have to you it, it 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 when it when a mission says recommends you to be at a certain level, you pretty much have to be at that level in Assassin's Creed Origins or you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it forces you to do side missions uh immediately all the time and it levels you up incredibly slow. So I did a stream yesterday, and for about two hours, I was just—I was essentially just leveling up, doing a couple side missions here, or there, and killing animals and and guards over and over again just to get more experience. Right. 
just so I can do one story mission. Uh, haven't come across any escort missions yet. I hope that kind of stays the way it is. Because uh, the story is uh, Sun got killed by a cult, and basically you want to kill all these cult leaders. Right. And it seems like the story is going to open up even more uh, after you kill these, these dudes. Because the, when I opened up the map to this world, holy fuck, it was big. Mm-hmm. Really took me by surprise. I didn't think it was going to be anywhere near I that I have a big. question. It is massive. What sure. about future stuff? Um, so in the first six hours, I've only come across... Which, what's the synopsis for the future storyline? I don't know anything about it yet. The animus is still there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um... There was one section at the beginning. Obviously, I've, I've, I've mentioned I've done a lot of grinding, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Again, that's my one major gripe with the game. Um, so, a character comes out of the Animus, and she's like in a cave somewhere. It looks to be in Egypt, I guess. And uh, she's got her own makeshift Animus to go and, you know, go to be one of her ancestors. And it looks like she's kind of an underground dealer to... The company Abstergo, which is the main Animus right. company that wants to find the uh, the Apple of Eden, which is your main orb that yeah. controls shit. <laughs> uh, so she's like, I'm this du- I'm this Magi dude, and uh, he has a lot to do. So it looks like the whole idea is to find the origin of of the Apple of Eden. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Hence the title. Yeah. All right. So just that one little section. That's all it was. And I was like, that's cool. That's all I needed. More Egypt stuff. I want to know more about this this badass Magi dude who murdered his son accidentally from cult <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I want revenge for him, too. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fighting systems takes a lot getting used to. It's not as uh, broken as past Assassin's Creed games where you just parry, kill, parry, kill, parry, kill. You have to actually duck and dodge all the attacks all the time. Uh, so there's a there's there's quite a difficulty to the game actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I quite I quite enjoy it. It's uh, I haven't had this much fun in an Assassin's Creed game since Black Flag. Awesome, honestly. Yeah. So are we gonna hit, hit the uh, get the heavy hitter now? We're not even have much to say about this game, are we? Like, honestly, yeah. There's not much to say about it because we there, there's. Like, we're not going to argue over it or anything. Like, it's a great game. Mm, okay, okay, first of all, we've both beaten the main story. I have not beaten the main story yet. What I've do you mean you have beaten the main story? I, okay, I don't <laughs> care. Go ahead and talk about it, okay? No, 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 no. You go first. I, I've, I've, I've kind of hijacked a lot of this, this cast. Well, I, you, yeah, well... Mm. <clears throat> all right, uh... <laughs> So, so you. How about yeah. this? You say everything good, and I'll say anything. Uh, everything negative, good, as little everything as there good. is. Everything good, everything very good. There's a uh, the, the the it plays incredibly. The the animation is incredible. The mechanics are incredible. The worlds are incredible. I love this game. The camera is awkward a little bit, not much. I put it on. I put my sensitivity on very high, and I've been. I'm not using motion controls, by the way. JD is using motion controls. I'm using the actual controllers, and. Um, I just every it's in it, the game keeps you excited and curious to see what you do next. It's just amazing. 
What's been your favorite level so far? Or favorite little world? My favorite little world, fun fact, is actually one of the early ones. It, I forgot what it was called. But it was that water one that had the big bubble underwater. I oh, love that. It was, yeah, it was like Lakeside lake, or Lakeshore lake, something. Lake something. I loved it. It was yeah. just small, fun, and, and awesome. I really liked the Luncheon Kingdom. That was my I, favorite. I think I've played that one. That's the one where there's just food everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. You can, like, so one where the guy at the beginning is like, everything's on fire. Destroying... <laughs> yeah, there's there's a super kill you instantly goop everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can be fireballs going through yeah. them. Uh, I thought that was the most unique out of all the all the stages, and it definitely, the game definitely every showed. world just reeks with just unique style. It's like it's uh, it's it's good. It's fun. So what is Mario Odyssey? Mario Odyssey is the 3D platformer. They're their newest one. You know, they, they they did the Mario Galaxy games. They did Mario Sunshine, you know, 64. Mm. It is a continuation of that. I personally love 3D platformers like this. This is, I had an, it, they, they added, yeah. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot around anymore. No, there's not sure. a lot around anymore. And this one is fantastic. I So Mario this time, his little, the little quirk about this game is his hat. Is alive. His name is Cappy. It's a bee. He's my best friend. I lost. <laughs> and what Mario can do is throw the hat and basically take over the minds of. They his gave enemies. out real Cappies <laughs> at E three, and I forgot mine at the hotel room. Oh yeah. no! I still have my Mario Maker little helmet they gave out at a fan I, expo a few years actually, ago. I, I, they should port Mario Maker to Switch. It would, I, yeah, it would, I, th- I think they really will do that, no doubt. Yeah. Um, there's no hub world in this one as opposed to, say, Mario 64 and Sunshine, mm-hmm. or even Galaxy. Yeah. Instead, your hub world is the Odyssey itself, which is this little ship Mario uh, is in, and that's what he uses to travel every, everywhere. ship, okay? Well, he owns whatever. that ship. <laughs> Uh, well, it's what they adventure in together to mm-hmm. go after Bowser, who's kidnapped Peach, and he's going to marry her. And you go to all these worlds because he's been there and taken some special item from each of mm-hmm. these worlds. So, like, from the Lunching Kingdom, he took a, uh, I think he took the cake from them. No, yes, yeah. yep, yeah. I yep. think? Sure. We'll go and by that. the way, the reason Cappy uh, wants Bowser is because his sister Tiara, which is just a Tiara... Bowser stole and put on Peach. Right. <laughs> From the Hat Kingdom. Yep. <laughs> or the Cap Kingdom. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a fun little game. Uh, I thought... This is this is one of the issues I had, was... The, the story is, is forced on you, it feels. Just to get you to finish it, then you can get to what the game is, and that's everything after it, where you get to be part of uh, essentially the hub world in Mario, Mario 64, and you get to do all those tasks, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of other tasks to go from there. What I'm confused is why they went that route and just didn't stick with you were able to do all that stuff before the end of the game. Because mm-hmm. the way I'm feeling now is, okay, I beat the story... How much more do I want to play? I definitely know I want to play more. Yeah, because it's just. But I, I haven't. 
picked it up since beating the story mode. Because uh-huh. that's what always kept me from that that that's what always kept me playing say Mario 64 or Sunshine and, and Galaxy was I could beat the game at any time. Now you just want to play There was the, a yeah. there was a level for me to beat. So I had to get, you know, the 100 the 80 or whatever stars in Mario 64 then I could beat Bowser. There was always a task to unlock the next world. I had to get X amount of yeah. stars or or, or I shine. heard there's something story-wise that kind of keeps stuff going. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't even know if that's true. But I heard there's something that keeps it going, and I mean, I sure the game I sure is, so. is stylish enough that where I would still want to see what's next, just because I'm interested in that world. You know? Yeah. Well, the fact that the switch is on the go, yeah, exactly. That's going to be definitely a reason to keep yep. playing it for sure. One hundred percent. That's the that's the switch's major advantage. That's why I'm going to continue playing Odyssey. What I'm saying is, if the switch wasn't the way it was. Then I probably wouldn't go back to it. Honestly, a really, really big beetle sitting on my desk. I'm gonna <laughs> grab some paper towel. I'm sorry. This is this is an emergency. I'm scared. It's this an, is emergency. an emergency. This beetle about. is very, very. This is a um, huge beetle. One thing I found very strange about Odyssey, which I've never experienced in a Mario game before, even in a lot of Nintendo games, is the music itself. <laughs> wow. The music itself was wasn't very memorable. There were some memorable stages with a song involved, but generally there were there were quite a few worlds where I was like, "Is there actually music here?" It, nothing felt. It didn't feel like Mario. All right, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Because well, it, it like like I said, everything was its own thing. Everything had its own style. At this point, it wasn't Mario style. It, every word, every world was its own thing. And that's what I loved about it. You know, it wasn't about the character as much. It was about experiencing a whole new area. It definitely changed the game on what I think a Mario yeah, game definitely. is. Yeah, definitely. It changed the perspective. Uh, yeah. So, there's definitely one moment I want to gotcha. bring up, Drew. Go, go, go. Spoiler uh, alert? No, 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 okay. no, no. No, everyone's pretty much know, know this gotcha. already. Uh, so, there's a... When you get to New Donk City and you, and you beat that stage... Uh, the mayor is Pauline, the old Donkey Kong chick that was captured, uh, and she sings essentially the Mario Gal- the Mario Galaxy Mario Odyssey theme song. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you and uh, you're the idea of Mario then goes across the stage in his old two D way while this song's playing. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of uh, Sonic homages to it. Yeah. In, in Odyssey, which I, I found uh, very strange. Uh, but what I felt was very unique. That I hadn't... I, I found myself, while the music was playing, almost immediately uh, enveloping in tears. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why I was feeling that way. And all I could think of was I was hit with so much, so much childhood memories and nostalgia unconsciously that I was, I was just breaking out. I couldn't... Like I, there were emotions that were very unexpected. Yeah, I was. It, it was. It was crazy. Did you? I had a little. It, did, it, it, have it, you heard of anyone else going? I've heard of other people. Going and I, I will like completely admit, first of all, when it comes to media, for some reason, I'm re- in general, I'm a super awkwardly sensitive, emotional dude, and this totally got me. I was totally a little choked up because it, it, it was, it. You felt it. It was good. 
and I've heard of other people going through it too. So I don't know. It it, it really took me. Yes, yeah, it did to me too. I was like, what? Why am I? Why am I feeling like this? I don't understand. It's because I think specifically this like character has been such all a big part of, is she's of gaming in the industry and stuff that we've grown up doing for you know our entire lives. So I, I, I think that it was it was it was important. You know, it was I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah the the uh, the end the ending sequence in the uh, the story mode. I won't spoil it since you haven't finished mm-hmm. it, Drew. And you know, there's the game game's only been out for less yeah. than a week, pretty much. Um, the the ending is really funny. It's fun. Uh, you do a thing and become a thing, uh-huh. and it all kind of goes together. And then Mario has a good pimp moment uh, that'll make you laugh. Um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good little good little story ending. Uh, my one gripe takeaway, which I was really hoping for, was Donkey Kong being in the game. That would have been cool. I think the next all we got all we got uh, Donkey Kong wise was that two D. Yeah. A rendition of them in the song. I th- really think that um, the next 3D Mario game, I think they should make it this big all-star game where, you know, you run into all the characters. You know, it is, they need to unionize. Because now that we have all these worlds that have been, you know, you have the galaxy, you have the worlds, you, you know, you have so much. Mm-hmm. I think now they just need to fill it up with all these names and characters that we make it because that would be a huge selling point. People would be like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm really curious... Cappy is such a cool character, honestly. And he's now a part of Mario. For people like... For, uh, plenty of people, including me. He... Do you think Do you think it's just a kingdom of boos with hats? Because there was no boo stage that I found in Mario Odyssey. Right. And there, that, that's, there's usually at least one big boo stage. With like King Boo yeah. and everything. Pretty sure all, all the, the creatures in the Cap Kingdom were just boos with hats. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious to see where they go next. So, I want to see Donkey Kong return as an enemy. Really, as an enemy? Yeah, oh, maybe so. That would be interesting. Or, or Bowser has recruited Crank, Cranky Kong, and it's Mario and Bowser or uh, uh, Donkey Kong Junior. What if we saw together? Yeah. What if, dude? What if like there was you a tag call team? It, like Mario Cross DK yeah, or something? Yeah, DK and Bowser like grouped up to do something, and then Mario and Diddy. You know, like, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome, dude. They got so many franchises that supposedly, yeah, Donkey Kong stages. Yeah, they they supposedly all exist in the same world. Why don't we have all these crazy crossovers, right? Or, or even better, have Wario and Waluigi like start kicking. That would be amazing. Have Wario and Waluigi screw over Bowser and have a Bowser Mario tag team game. It doesn't even have to be that. Honestly, I just want to see something, someone other than yeah, Bowser. Definitely. That's what I was really hoping for out of this game. Because I was hoping, like, okay, uh, uh, Bowser wants to marry... Uh, this is how I was thinking it was going to start. Um, you have your first stage world, and you fight Bowser immediately. And then once you beat Bowser, uh, Donkey Kong comes in and just and just starts taking women. <laughs> so he takes Pauline, he takes Peach, he takes, like, Rosalina from Galaxy. Yeah. He's just kidnapping women, and he's starting his own Donkey Kong harem. And Mario and and Mario's just like, no, those are my women. Pretty much, it's pretty great. <laughs> but no, we didn't get that. I mean, don't get me wrong; it was still, it was still a little, it was a fun little story. Uh, I had ton tons of nostalgia feel. Uh, I just, I, I was kind of wanting something a little bit more different. Yeah. 
I got a different game. I didn't get really a different yeah, story. I, I, I don't know if Nintendo ever, ever will because they're a very formulaic studio. But I really hope they do because it would be amazing. And it would bring well, a lot more this? like Inst- uh, like In- resonance to those characters, you know? It would bring so much more. Yeah, and yeah, I'd yeah. be interested. Well, then how about yeah. this, Drew? Instead of Donkey Kong in a Mario game, just make a Donkey Kong game where Pauline's actually the yeah, I think that would be cool if they actually started... <laughs> Maybe not Mario because they want to stick with the formula for Mario because it works, but maybe take a Donkey Kong game and throw Yoshi into it. You know, may- start mixing stuff up. You know, you have this universe. <laughs> yeah, don- it's Donkey Kong Revenge, and, and you're no, but Yoshi like Donkey Kong, maybe like he's <laughs> lost his banana, and then the banana rolls over to Yoshi's world, and Yoshi decides to help him. You know, make this cinematic thing work with all these. It's, it's a huge universe. That'd be fun. No, well, that that'd be a Yoshi game, if anything. Then I just think there's a lot of potential that Nintendo has, but. Or Donkey Kong goes on a bananic rampage, and you're just Diddy Kong the whole time trying to calm him down. <laughs> Pretty much. Anyway, that was Mario Odyssey. That game is definitely yeah. worth playing. Uh, I'm curious. To, I'm curious uh, to what for the for the audience. How we, how would you rank Mario Odyssey in all of the uh, Mario? Games? Okay, so my it, it's top it's T three. It's top three top for me. One. My top top three are Odyssey, Galaxy One, and sixty four. I have no idea where they all place. Depends on any day of the week. I'm sorry. But I love all three of those games dearly. Mm. I would put uh, Mario Odyssey actually at number, number four. four. What's your when top I'm done five? Thinking about it. Your top four. Uh, I would say Mario sixty four is number one. Okay. Uh, Mario three is mm-hmm. number two. Galaxy number three and Sunshine. Uh, yeah, and uh, then it's Odyssey, and then it's Sunshine. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. uh, I could go into a slew of reasons, uh, other than how each of those games basically defined a console and really just changed changed what makes that genre. Yeah, Mario three with two D platforming, um, Mario sixty four with three D uh, camera design and platforming itself, uh, Mario Galaxy with motion controls and everything. And um, oh, I didn't even talk about Odyssey with the motion controls. I love them. Gotcha. I actually love them. I thought they were very simplistic and intuitive. My favorite move was just shaking the the uh, the the motion controls uh, up and down and making them do the the somersault roll everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was how I played Horizon Zero Dawn. By the way, I just rolled everywhere. <laughs> I always just go to the nearest uh, like hor- horse yeah. stampede area and just hop on one of those, or I just nice. fast travel. But, yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. So that was the podcast for today, right? Did we do it? Yeah, that's, that's everything. One we other did thing it. I just wanted to say, Razor has a phone now. That's cool. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. More info on that soon. Oh, man. Well, November's rolling Definitely. around. we got DLC, Sonic Forces, Star Wars. So a lot, a lot of good, good games yeah, coming man. out. I'm excited. Next month. It's going to be an well. awesome month. Um, anyway, where 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 can we get a hold of you on the infinite universe of the internet? So you can get a hold of the podcasts, yeah. uh, not just on iTunes. You can also get it on Google Play, iTunes Radio, Overcast, and many more. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BullingJD. Where can they find you, Drew? At Boogadaball on Twitter. B o o g i d a b a l l. It's cool, you know. And it is in the description, description of the, of the episode. episode as well. And I tweet about uh, random things. 
all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah, you've been pretty teenage. Okay, you know what? I totally went that route. Yes, that was you know it was a tough time, (laughs) and I was like, you know what? What? It's not like I have that many friends to vent to. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to complain about it on the internet. Yeah, I know, and I complained about it plenty to you. Actually, uh, I complained about some of it to you. I didn't complain about all of it to you. But, you know, it's, it was, you know oh, I man. haven't been as angsty. <laughs> you know, it's fun. You know, I complain about stuff. But you can, uh, it's fun stuff. Uh, I was I was so glad uh, I liked uh, Assassin's Creed Origin and Mario Odyssey because uh-huh. the beginning of the month was a rough time for games for me. <laughs> uh, well, this has been... The October episode of the Red Leaf Gamecast, Modern Gaming Edition. Uh, thank you, Drew, for being thank a part you of this. For having Hopefully, me, man. we can have a third person uh, join Definitely. us next time. That'd be awesome. So, alrighty, thank, thank you, everybody. everybody. Have, have a, good, a good, good good morning or good night. <laughs> I don't know when you're listening to the podcast. You know, like you can't say that, Jacob. You can't say that. Just like it's not allowed because it could be good night. Just like if I'm at work. And I say, have a good night. Or I arrive in the <laughs> afternoon and I say, hey, good morning. They look at me like I'm a freak. And they say, it's three in the afternoon. It's not the morning. It is not the morning. And I feel bad. It's morning yeah, for you. Well, you know what? I Okay. Uh, oh, my God. All right. Let's cue that, cue, cue that entrance music. Cue now. <laughs>